1: Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeBoy, and I'm the host of this show, and I've got Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress with me here on this Tuesday afternoon. A lot to talk to you about, a lot of it uh, coming in recent waves of news. As uh, we've talked a little bit about in the last week or two, the Auburn basketball roster and how the management of that roster might go over the coming weeks. Well, we got a couple of answers today of two Auburn basketball players hitting the transfer portal in the form of Chance Westry and Johan Traor. We'll talk to you about that and what we think it means for the rest of the roster. We'll have Justin Ferguson on at 4.30 of the Auburn Observer. Also talk about that as well as an update on spring practice as A-Day is a week and a half away. And uh, later this week, maybe today, we'll be able to get into kind of our power ranking of the position groups of Auburn right now in the spring. So we we'll hope talk a little bit about that. Also, I've got some food news to discuss, wow. and I want to get everyone's uh, opinion in here on some of the new food items coming to Truist Park uh, this year. Uh, of course, we'll also try and talk a little bit Major League Baseball. is opening day, it starts on Thursday, and of course, the Atlanta Braves, uh, get ready to uh, defend another NL East crown. So a lot to talk about here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call again. Ryan, Tom, and Brooks. Brooks, thank you for hosting the show yesterday. I hope you're doing well, sir.
2: Yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, it was uh, fun to fill in for your. And uh, I think that's the first time since you've taken over that I've filled in for for you. Um, the since uh, since the first of the year. If if it's not, I you know I don't remember when it was, but it feels like that's the first time that I've said filling in for Ryan Lavoy. Uh, straight up Usually it Used to be filling in for Ryan Lavoie, Filling in for J.J. Jackson Because <laughs> I was like the third string uh, But it was fun uh, Last night You know uh, We left here Got to go watch some U.S. soccer And that was fun uh, Some women's basketball We talked about that uh, A little bit yesterday the Women's basketball tournament Continued last night South Carolina Punching their ticket through To the Final Four Along with LSU The night before So two SEC teams In the Final Four Of the women's side of things And, yeah, it was a good sports night. We're getting ever so closer to opening day, Major League Baseball. The Braves' last spring training game was this afternoon against the Boston Red Sox. And so get an off day tomorrow, travel up to our nation's capital, and, Get ready to open up the year with the uh, division rivals, the Washington Nationals, on Thursday, and it's going to be really fun. So, can't wait to talk about all that. Can't wait to talk about uh, some of the the latest news around Auburn basketball. That um, not not very not positive, but it's not something unexpected uh, when it comes to this time of year. And can't wait to talk to all of our callers.
1: Absolutely, a lot to talk about. Tom, how are you doing, sir?
3: I am doing just fine, and. uh i'm very interested with the food talk you know me i same i, I love some food so oh, it'll uh, be a good segment it'll yeah. hopefully make the mouth water there you go so uh looking forward to that but uh uh yeah a lot of news going on right now uh regarding auburn basketball um and uh softball picking up a win last night so that was big for them and uh a lot of other stuff going around through the country, so a lot to talk
1: about, a lot to get to, ready to get on it. And also I think I'll uh, we'll have to hit on uh, what happened in the Elite Eight this past weekend. I know you guys talked just briefly about it with uh, with some of the callers, but maybe a little bit more of a detailed breakdown on, on what occurred over the weekend. But let's start with the leading story today, which is Auburn basketball and the now uh, announcements of, of Transfer Portal Opportunities for Chance Westry and Yohan Treor, both those guys putting their name into the portal earlier today. I think in the case of Joan Treor, not completely unexpected. Does not mean that it's not disappointing, but Treyor was a guy, a five-star recruit, uh, a big-time recruit that Auburn was able to get away from LSU with everything going down there last year. Treyor was the number 24 player in the country, according to 247. He is hitting the portal. And then Chance Westry, this one is a bit more surprising. It came out just mere minutes after the announcement of Yohan Treyor. Westry, the number 39 player in last year's class, a high four-star guy, uh, of course, started the year with Auburn playing some backup point guard, uh, was struggling a good bit, then faced injury concerns. He actually had some injuries coming into the season. Uh, those returned throughout the season and was going to end up taking a red shirt. Uh, and as late as yesterday, even, Auburn basketball was tweeting about some workouts of Chance Westry. It seemed like all uh, was quiet there, and that Westry was set to make uh, a return to Auburn for a second season. And he also announced today he is in the portal. So, guys, let's start with just Chance Westry and Yoan Treor, uh, kind of sum up their times in Auburn, which should not take too long. Uh, but then also just uh, how surprised you personally were and, and how, uh, how much movement could we see here, I guess, in the coming days and weeks? Um- I, I think you're going to see a lot of movement, first of all. I, I, think Bruce is,
3: uh, uh, I think Bruce and that staff are really looking at retooling and revamping that entire roster. And uh, starting with with uh, Johan, huge, huge deal when Auburn got him from, from LSU as the five-star, one of the top players in the country. The, the thought and the expectations were that he, were, he would take over for kind of that Jabari Smith role and would – Get a lot of that type of minutes and that type of uh, production for Auburn, and it just didn't happen. He, he, uh, and he had every chance to to seize his opportunity, and he just didn't. It just did not look like he was prepared. It just he he couldn't do it. Um, and, and I think uh, you know, I think Bruce and the staff decided they were ready to move on from him. Um, that one does not surprise me because when you are that dis- when you when you are that big of a disappointment coming in. I, I think your your time is limited because, uh, you know, you don't have a chance to to sit back and, and try to grow for years. I mean, you've got guys that you need to get in here to start being productive immediately. That one doesn't surprise me. Uh, Westry, uh, you know, played a little bit at the very beginning, but uh, the injury had him out to where uh, – he was not productive because he had an injury and ended up uh, being redshirted. I think that one surprises me a little more because, like I said, it, it was not really his fault that he wasn't able to play. I don't know if he's one that uh, that Bruce and company told to start exploring other options, or if he decided it on his own. Uh, I, you know, that but that one kind of surprised me. I thought that he still had a chance to be a productive member of the team. Um, don't really know what's going on with that, and I mean, he just recently seemed like he was ready to go here at Auburn so um, I don't know it, it almost feels like Bruce and, and those guys are kind of cleaning house a little bit and I think there's probably going to be more to come. Brooks what do you think?
2: Yeah I mean you know I think this is one of those situations where you know you're always looking you know you always are as a as a program you're always looking to bring in the five stars and that's what they did they brought in you on was five star um, and you know you saw a few years back with the football team you brought in Uh, the number one player in the country with Byron Cowart. Five-star, great, you know, everyone was like, oh, he's going to be a great defensive lineman. Didn't pan out. And ended up transferring, went to Maryland. Still, he, you know, he had a fine, fine time at Maryland, but still didn't, you know, didn't live up to those five star expectations. I think that's what you saw here with Treor, at least in this year's. He came in, and you would think, you know, and it's like, oh well, maybe you didn't give a chance. I'm, you know, it's five star coming in, a five star, especially a five star freshman in basketball. Bruce Pearl and that staff is going to give him every single chance to be on the, you know, make the starting five, and it just didn't, you know, obviously it just didn't pan out for him to be in the starting five. Had his chances, so. It's not shocking that he he's, he's entering the transfer portal. Like you said, Ryan, it is a little disappointing, especially from the fact that you know you're gonna be losing, you know, guys some guys on this team. You know there's some guys that you know, you know Zep Jasper's not coming back. Uh, you you got guys like Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams, uh, Wendell Green that still have to make their decisions on what they're gonna do going forward, and you'd like some younger talent to come back, but I I think that I, I think the fact that these two guys jumped are jumping into the portal now. It's like what Tom said. It it may be Bruce and the, the staff saying, Hey, you may wanna you know, we you know, we want what's best for you. You may want to look elsewhere or two, they know guys that are coming into the program or that Bruce Pearl and this team is targeting to bring into the program that they see the writing on the wall and say, Hey, I'm not gonna get a lot of playing time going forward and so they're gonna go ahead and hedge their bets and try to go somewhere else and you know, transfer portal these days, you can do that. You can move on, go to another another program. And we saw uh uh you know, a guy like Devin Cambridge last year. He moved on, went and played with his brother at Arizona State, had a fine year there, wasn't, you know, over the top great, but also wasn't a disappointing year and uh, you know, you've had guys leave Auburn and go have successful careers elsewhere. So, you know, as as the uh, as former football coach at Auburn, Gus Malzahn, said, we wish them nothing but the best.
4: <laughs> um,
2: and, yeah, it, it's it's disappointing, especially when you lose two guys that are – the potential talent is there. You know it's there because they, they were ranked highly for a reason coming out of high school. But the, they didn't just – they just didn't pan out. And so you hope that losing these two guys means that Bruce and the staff has guys coming into the program that they know, that they're like – I may not be able to beat these guys out for playing time.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I've got several thoughts as I've contemplated this throughout the day, and I've got a theory on Westry, but I'll start with just both those guys as a whole. Those were very big-time recruits. I mean, even Westry was the, quote, lower rate of the two, but he was still the number 39 player uh, in the class. And And I've said this many times, and, and I, I know that, that it's very hard to have patience in any sort of athletics now, but not every guy starts off near their ceiling their freshman year. Not not every guy just gets it from the word go. And I still think both these guys, Westry maybe even in particular, uh, have still very high ceilings for what they could end up being as college basketball players. And, and not everyone that ends up good has it figured out their freshman year. Right. Uh, in fact, a lot of them don't. And so – in a perfect world, I would have loved to seen. Uh, I would have loved for these decisions to come on the back end, because if Auburn ends up bringing back most of their core guys, and this could go either way, there really could be a bunch of guys back next year out of the top six or seven. Or there could be one or two guys back out of the top six or seven. That really could, the pendulum could swing vastly differently. But if you were under the scenario that a lot of them came back, I would be much more at ease with these guys going. Because how would the dynamic change if the core guys come back? How would the dynamic change for these guys to all of a sudden start to play a lot? It really wouldn't. You know, like if Wendell Green Jr. and Katie Johnson came back and you brought in... Um, Aiden Hallway. Even if K- someone like KD was gone, if it was just Wendell, Aiden Hallway, and then you got some Trey Donaldson thrown in there, the pathway for Westry to play a lot may not be there. Right. You know, and, and then same thing with Trey. Like if if you have Jalen Williams and Genai Broom come back, there's no pathway to starting at all. And then we'll see what would happen behind him. Maybe there'd be room to bump up as the third big or, or, or something like that. But there's still no obvious path to a lot of playing time for those guys. But depending on what – and obviously they'll, they'll come up with players. They'll get guys out of the portal. But if you saw a pretty big exodus and you saw Wendell and KD out, you saw uh, Jalen Williams out, for instance, and Flanagan, something like that, and Cardwell, then all of a sudden there's a lot of spots. There's a lot of jobs to be won and that year over year year to year progress would be very relevant for what Trayor and Westry would do because Auburn would all have a bunch of new guys. You know, yes, portal guys that you would expect to start, but still guys that Auburn's not seen with their own two eyes very often and, and need to make assessments of and practice and that sort of thing. There would be a baseline opportunity for Trayor uh, and Westry to have won uh, won over the coaches in practice with clear improvement. Uh, but, but now them being on, gone on the front end, you don't know how, how much uh, of this roster will play out. And look, the other aspect of it, which Brooks hit on briefly, he hit on the uh, the – you know Auburn might have an idea who they're bringing in portal aspect of it but the other aspect of it is maybe for a guy like Chance Westry this is an indication that maybe Auburn will rock with some of the guys that they've already had in uniform that that maybe like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes we, we, we don't know all these conversations and the timelines of them and if they have to pertain to one another or not but it's entirely possible that maybe there's something behind the scenes that suggests that Auburn in Brooks's point either has someone they really like like that they're nearing getting in the portal or someone like Wendell Green Jr. is very near committing to return to Auburn and someone like Chance Westry sees that and says well I don't have an obvious pathway to play so even though I was kind of in now I'm out because I don't see how I'm playing more than five minutes a game next year and so that is entirely possible too now if this wanes and it drags and we don't know wendell's decision for like a month and we don't see any obvious portal guys come in for a few weeks and then that theory gets debunked but if you see other movement in the next week or so that i would be willing to tie certain decisions together and and i think that could be you you've got to see if this has to do with anything else because the westry part's the more confusing one again Treyor. Again, I'm not saying I want him out the door because I still think he can be a really good college basketball player and and guys take time, but you can at least see he didn't play, he was healthy, there was nothing wrong. You know, you can see why as a five-star guy, you don't play your freshman year. That's pretty normal now in college basketball. Look at someone like North Carolina who's bleeding players left and right. But for Street to have kind of been publicly, not all the way in, but kind of treating it like the assumption was that he would be back to then all of a sudden saying, I'm out, that that raises more of an eyebrow that there could be another roster decision that's already been made that we just right. don't know about
2: and the and one one more point because i know tom's got something no. to say is the is these guys are in the portal that doesn't mean they're gone gone they can at any point if you know if, if something like say westry is like oh i'm gonna go and then say wendell says I, i'm actually not coming back next year if westry wants to come back he could pull his name out of that portal and so it's not like it's the the getting into the portal is the end all be all i'm not saying that's gonna happen it, it's not you know there's not every occasion is the guy pulls his name back out of the portal, but that option is still there to take his name back out of the portal and remain at Auburn. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, that that is a possibility, but I, I really think that Bruce Pearl and, and that staff uh, have an idea and a plan for what they want this roster to look like going forward, and I think they're telling some of these guys that they are not part of the plan. And, uh, you know, you can like that, you can dislike that. Um, obviously, Troy Orr, you know, that that just was a, a – a, that failed miserably, bringing him in. Uh, now, can he be a great player? Sure, but I think that's just going to have to be somewhere else. I think Auburn has other plans for, for that spot. Uh, same thing with Westry. Um, I, I just have a feeling there has to be something – well, if this was a coaching staff decision and not his, I, I can almost guarantee you the Traor decision was coaching staff. Westry – if that was coaching staff, again, they have a plan, and I don't think that Westry is part of what their plan is going forward. Does that mean that they have somebody locked in? I don't know, but I just have a feeling that uh, that with some of the struggles that this team had this year, I think that staff and all, they sat down and they looked at it, and they're like, what do we want this roster to look like? We know the We know some of the pieces of the puzzle we have coming in, at least this year, which is just one but even looking forward with that big recruiting class coming in, what do we need this roster to look like? And and what is our plan for this roster as we move forward? And, and you have to sit there and sacrifice. Unfortunately, some guys are going to get sacrificed off because unlike football, you you don't have a huge roster. You don't have three, four deep like you do in football. I mean, there's a very limited number of people that are on that basketball roster. And so unfortunately people are going to have to go and, uh, I'm putting my trust in Bruce Pearl. It, it, it stinks It you, you lose a guy with the potential of a Chance Westry and, it, and, and even Trey Orr. But you have to trust Bruce and what that plan is. I don't know what the plan is for the team. And I don't know what the plan is for that roster and what they want it to look like. But he's the head coach for a reason, and he's been a very highly successful head coach for a reason. I'm going to
1: trust he knows what, he, what he's doing as far as that plan goes. Yoan Traor played 25 games while at Auburn, averaged 9.9 minutes a game, so essentially 10 minutes a game, 2.1 points, 1.4 rebounds, shot 40% from the field, and shot just 19% uh, from three. Yoan Traor and Chance Westry hitting the transfer portal today for Auburn. We'll have a little bit more later in the show on that, kind of the sign of the times for college basketball, and then potential targets that Auburn might be looking at, uh, guys that they might want to add to uh, their shooting repertoire, and then also just the, the roster in general. And, of course, if any other news breaks, we'll let you know. Uh, but let's take our first commercial break of the show today. When we come back, we'll do birthdays in sports, and also we'll head to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. This, two, this excuse me, Tuesday edition of Sports Call – continues in a moment
0: sports call has been on the air since 1995 this is andy Burcham, voice of the auburn tigers and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger
1: 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. On this Tuesday, Ryan LaVolle, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy. Live from our studios on South College Street. If you want to give us a call today, three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine. Tiger nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line, and we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. First up, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing?
5: I'm good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that uh, y'all were talking about like some good uh, stadium food for like baseball season.
1: Uh I mean no, we hadn't started talking about that yet. We were going to talk about it a little bit later in the show.
5: Oh uh, okay. Cuz I mean if y'all if y'all were uh going to talk about it, I mean, you know, I mean the the reason well, I'll probably get to that one, you know, in the next hour. If that's okay.
1: Uh sure.
5: Okay. Well, actually, um a lot of NBA news that I've been hearing about is um about um one of the uh, Phoenix Suns players, I think it's um, um, uh, I don't know his name. I'm, I'm drawing a huge blank here.
1: Kevin Durant.
5: Yes, yes, thank you, Kevin Durant. And I have seen. I didn't see the game, but I saw like highlights of how his uh, his criteria of being an NBA player is just not what most NBA fans will look at.
1: Uh, we, we must be talking about someone else and Kevin Durant is on the Phoenix Suns but the, the news on him today is that he's going to be able to play his first game in about a month for the Suns he's missed the last 10 games and he's coming back from an injury so we must be talking about somebody else
5: no 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 no. I mean I mean, his injury is what I'm actually talking about because when uh, Kevin Durant you know he's a really good player for the Phoenix Suns and I think that the Phoenix Suns they really do need him um, right now with the playoff season uh, right around the corner so I think with Kevin Durant I might I'm looking at the Phoenix Suns actually um making twenty three to twenty four points in uh in next week in next week's game before uh the the playoff push as well. So the playoffs is the playoffs for the NBA is right around the corner as well. And I'm I'm looking at some great um playoff games that that might make the um the NBA uh, team this year, to make the NBA playoffs this year, because I think in June, that's when the playoffs actually start. So I'm looking at uh, Dallas, I'm looking at Phoenix, I'm looking at Atlanta, um, I'm looking at Memphis, I'm looking at Orlando, and maybe New Orleans, just to put New Orleans, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans in there with uh, – with Zion Williamson as well, just to push those teams in the playoff spot as well.
1: Yeah, I think the Pelicans were hoping that Zion Williamson would be much healthier than he has been this year. They were certainly a really good team with him in the lineup. They they faded now. They're they're starting to win a few games again, but they got to get him back healthy. And, and the, just to clarify, the NBA Finals is in June, but the NBA playoffs do start here in a few weeks in April.
5: Yes, yes, the NBA uh, playoffs start next month so um I'm, I'm looking at a lot of different um a lot of different playoff uh games so i don't know where i don't know where the the dice where the dice will roll on the playoff uh push for for nba uh, finals as well so i'm i'm looking at like a, a good classic matchup for the nba finals i'm looking at like dallas and uh la that would be a really good NBA Finals matchup as well and seeing Luka Doncic actually winning MVP as well if we can actually keep him healthy as well.
2: Yeah, that, that's the key is to keep Luca healthy going down the stretch here in the playoffs. But uh, it would be a, a Western Conference Finals if they played either of the LA teams. They they wouldn't be able to meet in the NBA Finals because they both play in the Western Conference. So they would have to play in the the in the Western Conference Finals if if they played a, the Los Angeles and a, either of the Los Angeles teams. So you'd probably see in the in the NBA Finals Dallas versus you know a Boston or Milwaukee or someone like that.
5: Yeah, because I if. Um, I I probably see, like, uh, Dallas and Boston actually playing because I've actually seen these two teams, and they are really good. They have great uh, history between the two franchise uh, teams in the NBA. And I think I would like to see Boston and Dallas actually meeting up in the NBA Finals and seeing Luka Doncic actually winning the NBA Finals as well of MVP as well, and then with the newcomer that we did, that we actually added to our roster, I think it's uh uh, uh we we I, I've actually
1: Kyrie Irving, track.
5: yeah, Kyrie. Um, I mean, when we actually picked Kyrie Irving, and when I heard this. Because I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan, and somebody said, "Do you think that Kyrie Irving is going to be a good player for Dallas?" And I'm like, no, I don't see any anything with Kyrie Irving because I, I'll probably just say Mark Cuban he made a bad he made a bad decision on picking Kyrie Irving as well.
1: Yeah, Dallas has not been quite as good uh, since they traded for Kyrie Irving although Irving is a good player. I don't know if that's necessarily fit the Mavericks well and, and they are struggling to make the playoffs.
5: Yeah, so I'm just going to see where this uh Dallas this Dallas Mavericks train uh rolls on and if it doesn't roll very well then I'll just have to pick another team as well, but I just have to see where it's going to where it's going to stop next. I'm quite sure if if the Dallas Mavericks train doesn't have their wheels fall off then I'll stay and I'll, you know, I'll work with uh Mark Cuban, I'll just, you know, tweet him and uh, Mark Cuban, I'll just tweet him and just say, hey, you need to work on this and make the team look better than what it is like what it is now. Just make some changes to the team as well.
1: Well, I'm sure he would love to hear from you. Uh, only a, a few more minutes left with you here, James. So what are some of the other thoughts that you have today?
5: Um, well, I'm actually looking at uh, and seeing if UAB is actually going to be. North Texas today, so they're playing in Birmingham. Uh, The UAB Blazers, uh, they're actually playing their game on campus at UAB, and I think they're actually going to win the NIC tournament today as well, and I do have the Blazers actually winning, and uh, seeing if they're going to take a a huge um, a huge uh, uh, you know, a huge upset in today's game at home in Birmingham as well.
1: Yeah, I really hope UAB can wind up winning the NIT. A couple things, though, that they, uh, while they do play today, they play Utah Valley State tonight, and uh, the NIT finals are in uh, Las Vegas. So the first game up will be North Texas and Wisconsin, and that will be at 6 o'clock tonight. And then around 8.30, UAB and Utah Valley State will play, and then the winner of those two games will play each other a little later this week for the NIT championship. But certainly hoping UAB can get it done, win in the semifinals tonight, and then win in the finals later.
5: Yeah, because I think with UAB, if they win uh, the finals and the semifinals, that would be a really good thing for my for my niece because she's a student at UAB, and I know she's very proud of uh, seeing her Blazers actually uh, playing so uh, grateful for her and uh, seeing a lot of great things coming out of the UAB Blazers uh, community out there in Birmingham, Alabama as well.
1: Well, make sure you tell her go Blazers from Ryan. Ryan said go Blazers.
5: Uh, I sure would tell her that as well.
1: Awesome. Well, James, we appreciate you calling in. Do you want some trivia tomorrow?
5: Um. Yes, I would uh, definitely like some trivia tomorrow as well. Um. Probably with the opening season of Major League Baseball, I'll probably get some uh, opening day baseball trivia as well.
1: All right, we'll give you some uh, some opening day trivia tomorrow. That will be great.
5: All right, sounds good, and talk to you all guys on uh, tomorrow.
1: Sounds good. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate James for calling in right there. We need to get to our next timeout of the show today. When we come back, we'll go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Retire Ward AMC will join us in just a moment. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call.
0: May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. Hi, my name is.
5: Hi, my
0: name is. (coughs) Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want more sports call? Check us out online at (laughs) sportscallauburn.com.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan Lavoie, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you. Appreciate James from Montgomery for calling us just a moment ago. Coming up at 4.30 today, we'll have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Uh, We originally were just going to talk all spring ball, but now we've got a little Auburn basketball roster management to discuss. We'll ask him about that again. Update us on spring ball. Been talking to some coaches over the last few days, get – uh, the vibe from those guys, and uh, again, just uh, Ferg, everything uh, everything he does there at the Auburn Observer is worth your time, and so we'll talk to him about everything going on there. But let's head right back to the Auburn Bank phone line 887 one locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up on the show today,
0: Damn Steve,
1: retired Wardam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing?
4: I was doing okay until I got onto the internet. I I need to stay away from the internet, especially when it comes to Auburn sports. Good afternoon, gentlemen.
1: Uh, yeah, I assume you mean the. Uh, I assume you mean the transfers of, of Westry and then Treyor.
4: Yeah, two for Tuesday, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you can look at it that way. Yep.
4: Gee, my knee. Uh, first, uh, you know, he's a Hollywood recruit. I know he didn't play that much, uh, Treyor, but uh, that one kind of blindsided me. The one that really blindsided me is Chance Westry. Uh, all I've been reading about, he's going to be the foundation for us, and he was saying, you know, he can't wait to." Uh, get better, you know, he's doing physically much better. And if I'm taken by surprise, guess who else was taken by surprise? Nathan King, who's one of the uh, writers, you know, for 247 Sports, because he was asked about it, he said, heard it was somewhat surprising to Auburn.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Street uh, seemed... Okay,
4: well, what's going on, guys? If it's surprising to Auburn, uh, what, <laughs> what, uh, what uh, went down
1: here? Yeah, I, I don't know if he no. if he looked at it a little closer and realized that uh, playing time might be difficult for him next year, or uh, if some other team had reached out to him, or uh, or what the case was. But certainly he was the more surprising between him and were.
4: And you know, uh, all he has is glowing comments. I read some of these comments from the past in which he says about Coach Pearl, uh, he believes in me. It means a lot. He's seen the best. I'm. Going to just live up to what he sees and even be better, and he says, "I'd like to go out there and play right now." Talking about his injury, but my body's responding like you need to be a little patient. And you know, he's one of our high-rated rec- uh, recruits uh, from this past uh, year, and along with Ferrell, who's a five-star recruit. And this one really gets me too, guys. Uh, I know these guys are young, but you know, do you not have any more ticket-tuniveness than, than than this? Uh, here's the part that got me. In his closing uh, letter, or um, whatever he said on Instagram, I guess, he said, I'd like to thank the Auburn community for embracing and supporting me throughout my time here. I will always remember and appreciate you, but this is the kicker. The time has come for me to enter the transfer portal and take that next step as a basketball player. Okay, Traore, what in the world is that damn next uh, step that you barely didn't see uh, as being at Auburn?
3: Uh, well, so I don't know the next step for him. I, I honestly, I'm Steve, I, and I don't know this for a fact, but I, I have some suspicions that Bruce probably told Treyor that he's not going to be part of the plans moving forward. Um, and I think just because from,
4: what what are your suspicions based on, please? Uh,
3: the fact that he was such a disappointment this year, and, and I think that. I just think that Bruce and that staff are trying to retool and revitalize that this roster in in probably a very big way, and unfortunately, there's going to be guys that are not going to be part of that plan moving forward. And I think Traoré was was part of that
4: five star recruit, and well, up, he because, sure didn't look you know, like it this year. Well, but needed did Well Walter Kessler at uh, North Carolina, did he?
3: I mean, Kessler still played pretty darn well at UNC and then, of course, you know, turned into a beast here. Uh, you know, I like, I, and I said this earlier, I guess you weren't listening, I, I'm going to put my trust in Bruce and, and that staff and, and their ideas on what they want this roster to look like uh, and what they don't want it to look like and who they want here and who they don't want here. And if Traylor's not part of that, if that is legitimately what happened, then I'm okay with that. They they've got plans for what they want that roster to look like. Now it could be I could be completely wrong. It could be one of those deals where Trey Orr just realizes that I don't like it here and I'm ready to go somewhere else. That's a very okay. good possibility as to as well.
4: Well, I hope that your sense is the, the correct one because I said, "Wow, this one uh, uh, stings a little bit, and the even more stinger uh, was that we get you know than Westry. Uh, that to me is completely uh, an ambush.
3: Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, these are the things that are going to happen as the uh, portal opens up and gets going. I mean, you're, you're going to have guys coming and going.
4: So, uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't understand a lot of these kids, with, whether it's at Auburn or somewhere else, you know, they seems to be, they don't have the stick to that I remember uh, players as I was growing up, you know, they just didn't leave that freely like they're doing now. Like, you know, hey, if I can't make it the first year, I'm going somewhere else. Is that what the mentality is now?
3: I mean, with some, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I think it's dangerous to paint the entire picture in that way. There are some that are going to be that way, and then there's some that, uh, again, don't fit with what is going on with the program, and it's time for them to go somewhere else. Well,
4: I'm, I'm seeing it in other places, too. North Carolina, they're losing some star players,
3: right? Yeah, absolutely.
4: So, I guess uh, basketball is starting to be just as uh, volatile and fluid as, uh, as football players are now, right?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, well, and I mean, baseball as well. I mean, you've, you've seen well, a lot of. How do
4: you get chemistry, guys? How do you get that kind of chemistry that you need for championships when you are constantly never knowing as a coach, you know, the fluidity of well, who's going to be here next year or not? What you
2: look at? sorry. You look at programs like, you know, Duke and North Carolina that have lived on the one and dones and they don't have guys that are, you know, most of their starting five is not the same year after year, and sometime, they're always in the contention for national titles. You yeah, got to. You got to. What look, with that one and
4: done with Kentucky now? But
2: it, but still, they've been able to to manufacture those one and done years into being able to play cohesiveness, and it it, it just it. it you just have to adapt, and I think Bruce Pearl, you saw last year, you had a bunch of guys on that team that didn't. You know, you had Jabari Smith, you had Walker Kessler, guys that came in, and you know, those were two core members of that team. They gelled for one year, and then they left. And so you, you just have to learn to adapt to this new world of college basketball, that you're going to have guys coming into your program and then leaving your program after one year. All right. The great, well, the, the great programs have done it, have, have been able to do that.
4: Then it's on me, then, because I, I, apparently I'm too stuck in the old school kind of, you know, mentality of people. Hey, you know, stick it out for a while. You know, don't be so quick to say I'm throwing in the towel at this place. All right. Uh, fair enough. So, uh, you yeah, know, yesterday, guys, I forgot to mention some, uh, I guess, commendations, accolades uh, in football. We got a rather prized uh, running back recruit, Mr. Fat Burnett. Is that his name?
3: That's correct.
4: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was quite a get. I mean, some other pl- uh, big places we uh, were trying to get him, I think uh, Georgia, Clemson, or some of the other. Uh, I don't know if Alabama was after him or not.
1: Yeah, but no, he was a, a top 150, top 200 uh, recruit, so he was very highly recruited, and uh, five four-stars in the next class for Hugh Free so far.
4: All right. If you haven't read this article, I strongly, as a if you're an Auburn fan, definitely read this article. It's from uh, SI.com today, uh, written by Ross. Dellinger, I guess, is he a sports journalist or
1: sports writer for sport, SI? Yeah, sports writer. Yeah, and I, I yeah. actually have, I did read this article today, Steve.
4: What well, do you make of it, Ryan?
1: I mean, I think it's a complete look at uh, the complexities of, of Auburn, uh, the situation that they're in as a program, the situation that Freeze freezes in as a, as a human being and, and trying to uh, build himself back up from the mistakes that he made. Uh, I think it's a pretty good look at just – you know, the, the difficulty of the task, but also the willingness to accept that challenge. Uh, I think that obviously Auburn the last few years has underperformed and has struggled and has gotten uh, pretty far behind some of these big schools that are around them. But also, uh, you know, and Hugh Freeze understands that, but Hugh Freeze has a very can-do attitude to it. And obviously he's endorsed by his friend Gus Malzahn, who, who understands this place. And, and so I thought it was a good read.
4: Yeah, and about the offensive play calling, because it's constantly been, that to me, just a mismatch for the past several years with different coaches. But the article, and I know you read it, said that uh, he apparently is delegating, it says here, more of the responsibility to his offensive coordinator, Phil Montgomery. Right. Bringing up more time to manage the roster, but he still will be doing some limited play calling. So I want to see how that works out. Uh, although I was rather just really pleasantly uh, surprised and. And, you know, I, I don't have any animosity towards Malzahn. His play calling has gotten stale. But I was really uh, pleased to see his comments when uh, Malzahn said he's a friend and we go way back. He said everyone has made mistakes. He's upfront about it. I love his approach. He says I think Auburn and Hugh is a really good match. And Auburn is an unbelievable place. He says Hugh is really, really good. I'm excited for both parties. And he says uh, he's coming at a great time. And you've and everything came together. Unbelievable fan base and support. So, uh, you yeah, know, I read into that not very much. You know, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, sour grapes or uh, any sourness on his part. And that was a really, uh, I, I was pleased to see those kind of comments from Malzahn when he didn't have to say that much uh, about Auburn at all.
1: Sure. Yeah. no I think it's been clear um, ever since the departure, and and while he was here too, I think Malzahn truly loved Auburn, and and obviously, you know, he was able to have a couple of a big years and so he you know he mentioned you can win the whole thing at Auburn and and obviously we know that to be true but uh yeah no Malzon's never really had any ill will uh towards Auburn he's been he's been around the community even since being fired from time to time and uh obviously you know that adding in the relationship with with Hugh Freeze that he has knowing him very well uh you know he's uh he's got a lot of reasons still to to wish Auburn well
4: and have you been probably the same comments i have about the quarterback competition so far that uh, apparently freeze has been making more comments uh about ashford and apparently about Griner being more accurate maybe than really very many comments about finley uh is that what you're hearing
1: i've certainly seen the positive uh comments towards holding gurner here in in recent days and that he's starting he he is taking a step right now is what Hugh free said and uh, not that other guys aren't aren't working and, and trying to make small improvements, but I think you know he said the guy that stood out to him was holding Gurner. So uh, I'm gonna ask Justin Ferguson about that here at 430 and see what he believes it to mean. But you know obviously there's a long way to go in this battle, but uh, we oftentimes you know get wrapped up in the Ashford part of the, of the development process, but Gurner's still a four star guy that people want to see from see something from too. So uh, it is important to note that he's very much in this race.
4: Well, I was struck by Ryan, guys, when I read Hugh uh, Freeze's comments, is that he used this word consecutively four times. He said he really, 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 really has made some steps forward. Did you happen to catch that? He said really four times in his characterization of describing about uh, Gurner's uh, progress.
1: I, don't, I do not think I noticed that part of it.
4: Yeah, I said, wow, that's a lot of reallys. Yeah. Uh, so uh, moving on, uh, the uh, softball team pulled out another
1: one last night, 2-1. to one, Yes, sir. Very important.
4: Missouri.
1: Yeah, very important sweep in Missouri. We've talked about Missouri being one of the three or four teams in the SEC not ranked and one of the teams that you need to take advantage of if you're Auburn. And, and look, winning the series would have been good, uh, but obviously sweeping the series is great, and, and, and that checked the box for them, and hopefully they can ride that wave of momentum.
4: Right. And I, I know you guys mentioned the SEC Championship Equestrian – uh, went to uh, Auburn, and uh, apparently uh, they're going to be competing uh, in the NCAA. Uh, is it
2: regionals now? Uh, it's the so so they don't the NCAA does not sanction equestrians, so it's the NCEA uh, national NCAA. championships. And there's not that many equestrian teams, so it's it is not. They don't have a regional. They just all go the the teams that make it all go to the championship level, and then they have you know quarterfinals, semifinals, and then final rounds there.
4: And that begins when.
2: I believe it's next week, but I'd have to make look that up, and make sure.
4: Do you have to know who's ranked number one right now?
2: It was SMU for a while, yeah, but Auburn's then Auburn been like
1: three-ish. Yeah, four-ish. Auburn was
2: ranked three. Hold on, let me get the uh, let me get the rankings for you. Number one school right now is uh, SMU. Then Auburn is second. Okay. Auburn is nine and two on the year. TCU is third. Texas and fourth. Uh, Oklahoma State fifth.
4: Okay, and our uh, gymnastics team, they have already left, right?
2: They left yesterday morning, or no, this morning at 7.30.
4: This morning, okay. Um, and do we know anything more about the status of the SUNY Lee? Will she be an active participant or merely a supporter?
2: I would have said the only thing that we know uh, from the uh, – is what Coach Graba said yesterday, is that any, uh, there, all possibilities are on the table right now.
4: Okay. All right, then. Well, guys, I thank you for your time. I know we've got a baseball game tonight, right? With it UNA? Yes,
2: yes, North Alabama. Second meeting of the year between them. The Auburn won the first game 13-1, to and that was played up at the Trash Panda Stadium in Huntsville.
4: Okay. Well, let's see if our pitchers can hopefully do better than the 21-7 uh, debacle.
2: Yep. Right, yep.
4: And uh, that's uh, live streaming. It'll be on TV at all.
2: It'll be on the SEC Network Plus tonight.
4: Okay. Guys, thank you for your time. My time is way up, so I thank you for that as always. So uh, y'all have a relaxing and safe afternoon and listen to the podcast. Oh, what about Town's Name Tuesday? Y'all doing that today?
1: We are not doing that today, but we'll have another edition pretty soon.
4: Okay, guys. Thank you for that time as well. And so uh, tomorrow, War Eagle, guys.
1: War Eagle. Uh, War Eagle. That is Retired War am Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. And we pulled out uh, Town Name Tuesday a, a couple weeks ago, and we'll we'll do one in April. We we'll, I, don't, I don't know exactly what day. We'll have some high school schedules to work around too but have no fear we're not we're not one and done we're not one and hitting the portal on town name tuesday we'll be back at some point in the month of april and a wacky wednesday reminder tomorrow
2: just to give a before we hit the top of the hour equestrian national championships will be april 13th through the 15th
1: coming up in two and a half three weeks then Out of time for hour number one. Again, Justin Ferguson at 4.30. A lot more Auburn athletics to talk about and maybe a little college basketball as well. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this.
0: One hour of our show is in the books. and now coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call
1: start of hour number two right here and right now on tiger 95.9 the tiger.fm and the tiger communications app this is sports call my name is ryan Leloy, and i've got tom Peavy and brooks childress with me here this afternoon coming up again about 4.30, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer to talk all things Auburn spring practice, as well as a look as, at the Auburn basketball roster after the recent transfers, the very recent transfer portal decisions of Chance Westry and Yohan Treor who could be next, who could be on their way in. Uh, what's a timeline for some of these guys to make a decision? A lot of relevant questions we can ask Ferg about that. Before we get to anything else today though, let's get to today's birthdays and sports.
0: It's time for today's birthdays and sports.
1: Birthdays and Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. The Max Credit Union helps you with all of your banking needs. Birthdays today. We've got a very good list. Rick Barry turned 79. Former NBA forward Barry grew up in New Jersey. Played college basketball at the U, at the U, at Miami. Ah, let's go, Canes! As a senior, (laughs)
2: second. (laughs) Sorry,
1: as a senior, 1965, Barry led the NCAA in scoring, averaging 37 and a half points per game three-time All-American, number 24, retired by Miami, taken second overall by the Warriors in 1965 and played 15 seasons in the NBA and ABA. Through the two leagues, he was a 12-time All-Star and 10-time All-Pro, including a one-time scoring champion, two-time Finals MVP, or two-time Finals champion, and one-time Finals MVP. His number 24 is retired by the Golden State Warriors and was inducted into Naismith Hall of Fame in 2006. Rick Berry turned
2: 79 today. That's a lot of points to average. Say that again? I said that's a lot of points to average.
1: Yeah, uh, I thought I thought you said that's a lot of average. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think you're average if you make the Hall of Fame, but could be Man, wrong.
2: so average.
1: <laughs> uh, Jason Garrett turns 56. He's average, former NFL quarterback and head coach. Garrett was born in New Jersey, also New Jersey, where he was an all-league uh, player in football, basketball, and baseball as a high schooler, played college football at Princeton. Let's go Tagus where he set several school and Ivy League records. After graduating in 1989, played for several NFL teams, he landed with the Dallas Cowboys, where he won three Super Bowls. After his retirement, Garrett became an assistant coach with the Dolphins, eventually becoming a head coach of the Cowboys, one-time coach of the year, and is now an analyst for NBC. The Clapper, Jason Garrett, turns 56 today.
2: Still don't think I've seen him talking to a microphone. Because he's always, every time it showed him, and it's... I, someone find me some footage of this <laughs> Every time it showed him on the sidelines With the headset on He wasn't talking Never I don't think I ever sp- saw him spoken to the, he- to just the headset staring, Just kind of staring Chewing kinda, some gum Yeah angle. Clapping I there want someone to find me image A uh, 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 video of him actually speaking into his headset Because I don't yeah. think it exists
1: He just that Maybe the headset was actually just silent the whole time There was no one actually talking to him It's just fake it just noise <laughs> Harvey Glantz turned 65, former Olympic runner. Glantz was born in Phoenix City, Alabama, and ran track at Auburn. We're Eagle. During his time on the plains, Glantz won 14, count them, 14 SEC championships and three national titles, three-time Olympian, one-time Olympic gold medalist, Through other international competitions, he was a five-time gold medalist and two-time silver medalist. Also received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2008. After his running career, he became head coach of track and field at Auburn in 1991 and then Alabama in 1997. He retired from coaching in 2011. Harvey Glantz turned 65 today. no, go ahead. No, you. I was about to go to the next person, oh, so you go ahead. I was going to say,
2: Tom, you you grew up in Georgia. Do yeah. you remember uh, it was a song, and the Phoenix City song? No. You don't remember? There's a song, and I've heard it before, and I just can't find it anywhere. And I, I'm probably not looking hard enough. It's It goes like, Phoenix City, Alabama, that's my old hometown, my old stomping ground, something like that.
1: Not familiar. All right. No, um, I'm not
3: familiar. I'll see either. if I can
2: find it.
1: But Wesley uh, Person turns 52 today, former Auburn and NBA guard. Person was born in Brantley, Alabama and played at Auburn from 1990 to 1994, averaging nearly 20 points per game. His number 11 is retired by the Auburn Tigers. He played for 11 seasons in the NBA and was a member of the all-rookie team in 1995. Wesley Person turns 52 today. And Luke Walton turns 43 Former NBA forward and head coach Walton was born in California and played college basketball at Arizona. The Wildcats. A, there you go. Thank you, Tom. He was, <laughs> I was not. Thank you for picking up slack there. Uh, he was two-time All Pac-10 selection and a one-time All-American. He was taken in the second round of the 2003 draft by the Lakers and played nine years of his ten-year career in LA, where he was two-time Finals champion. After retirement, he went into coaching and landed his first head coaching job in LA in 2016. He's currently the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, his dad, you may or may not know, is Bill Walton, who says things on TV, and that's about how I would describe it: is saying things that may or may not have anything to do with the sport he is oh. calling. Uh, but his son, Luke Walton, turns 43 today. Again, the birthdays in sports, Rick Berry turns 79. Jason Garrett turns 56. Harvey Glantz turns 65. Former Auburn great uh, Harvey Glantz, 65. Wesley Person turns 52. And Luke Walton turns 43 Which today. school did I miss? Uh, you missed Arizona.
2: Oh, go Cats.
1: But but Tom picked it up. I f- you, yeah, so I filled in for good. you. Good. So you weren't so you uh, completely out okay, there. Okay, good. Uh, before we take our next commercial break, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341. Locally toll-free, one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up on the program is Matt from Phoenix City. Matt, how are you doing?
6: I'm good. I've never heard that song, but, uh, but that's not it's not my hometown
2: anyway. I've—I've so. uh, <laughs> I've heard. I'm going to have to find this song somewhere. I, I
6: have seen a movie
3: about Phoenix City, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Fe- well, I mean, I see me growing up around in that area. I know Phoenix City used to be like the. Real, real bad with uh, gangs and things like that back in the 30s, I guess it was. I mean, it, it was cutthroat back in the day.
6: The 30s? I was talking about the 80s. Well, that too. <laughs> well, uh, what? If, what is your take? And I, I'm calling in late. I haven't had the show on. I'm those guys. Like a fine bomb caller today. Uh, what is your take? Obviously, we know freshmen will play for perfect. Uh, as evidenced by Jabari Smith, who, as I say that, also understand he's the unicorn. But what, what's your take on Traore and Westry? Uh, are, are they are they really packing up and leaving? Are they trying to get an NIL deal? If they are leaving, you know, is that obviously the sky's not falling and Bruce hasn't forgotten how to a program and all that stuff? But, it's just interesting that those two would, would announce right now. Uh, you know, hey, we're going somewhere else.
1: Well, I, I mean, I think that as far as the timing, you know, I, I was a little curious to see that those guys be the first ones. I, I thought maybe veterans would decide first, and then that would allow the younger players to make a decision based off of, of what kind of playing time they might have or, or what kind of role with the team next year. So maybe that element to it is but I mean we've seen a lot of big name transfers here in, in recent days I mean the portal is hot and heavy and, and some uh, a few guys are already starting to make their decisions now some guys will take weeks and weeks for that they'll be recruited by a dozen or more schools but but uh, it, it it is active it it, it is hunting season in, in the portal and I think with as far as you know the, the big name recruits here I think this is just something you're going to see time and time again across really most of the major programs getting these big guys. The, these four and five stars that end up not playing a lot their freshman year, I don't think a lot of them are going to wait around. I, I think that uh, you are seeing already at some other schools. Uh, of course, we keep going back to like North Carolina because they only played like six, seven players all year long. Well, pretty much everyone that didn't play for them, I, and obviously some that did, but but the guys that didn't play, them, play for them, they were still big four-star, big-time recruiting guys. They weren't going to sit there and not play much longer. And so I think that this is just going to be the norm for guys that are top 50, top 60 players, those select guys that end up not playing a lot their freshman year. I just don't think they're going to patiently wait 2 or 3 years to 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 see their roles finally increase. And look, some of it's on them. I mean, they they have to, you know, those guys did not play well in the opportunities that they were given this year. So it's not like it's it's on the coaching staff to play guys that aren't ready for the college game as those guys did not appear to be Ready? I, I don't think that I don't think it means they don't have big futures in college basketball. But I mean, they, they were right. To, I mean, Bruce and, Bruce and the staff were right to not be playing them much this year. I, I just think that those type of guys just they they just want to play a lot, and they and they and they feel that they are some of the best players out there, and they're not going to wait around uh, on a bench just about anywhere. That's kind
6: of, that's. I'm glad you said it. That's kind of what I was feeling, you know, from the minutes that I saw Treyor get. I thought, yeah. Wow. Uh, he's not as, he's not as, I'll, I'll put it diplomatically like he did. He's not as college ready as what I was hoping. Uh, and then you heard about, you know, the West Street entry. Did that, did that plague him? And did that, you know, hamper him from being what he could have been? Uh, but I, I don't know. I just, I think maybe, maybe Bruce missed the boat on, on those two guys and, had, you know, it's, it's time to update and go find a couple more.
1: Well, and hopefully, the p- go go ahead. I'm sorry.
6: Hopefully, we find a big. Hopefully, we find a big. Uh, you know, I know Trey Orr had some links, but he's not a rim protector. He's not a. He's not a uh, force inside, and, and maybe you know maybe that's what we're maybe that's what we're looking. For.
1: Yeah, it looked like Treyor was was trying to be more of a stretch for this year, despite his six uh, ten length. I, I I think with as far as the missing and hitting and that sort of thing, again, you know, I I, I, try, I hammer this point home a lot, and I'm sure people are, are, are tired of it. But you know, some of these kids, you know, the the top fifty, top sixty players, we have this instinct to think that that means they're going to just be awesome from the get go. They might be one and done players and that sort of thing, and. I like to remind people, you know, there's only 60 slots in the NBA draft. So even if half the draft is one and done guys, that's still only like 30 guys that that were freshmen in in college. And obviously they're not all just going to be straight, the top 30. And so some of these guys are, are, are going to be great college players, but they're not going to be very good NBA players. And what that means is there's something about their physical stature or something about uh, how they process the game that needs work and, and needs to needs time to flourish in the college environment. Because uh, again, if you look at these big programs, obviously you know some of these teams like Kentucky and Duke, Kansas have profited greatly off of one and done guys, but also within that team those very successful teams like a Kansas that won the title last year or, or whoever it's not like it's one through nine of, of one and done guys there are guys integrated oh, no doubt sure guys integrated in there that that have were still big four-star guys they went to Kansas they went to Carolina they're, they're huge but they took a while and so in this day and age of NIL and, and the transfer portal those same guys that might end up in two or three years being really good for their respective program, they're now leaving that first program to then have that development process uh, take place somewhere else.
6: Well, you know, I'm I'm not going to say that I'm a genius, uh, but when I started looking at my bracket this year, you know, you start looking at some rosters, and you start picking out, all right, who's got five seniors? Whether they're starters or not, Who's got five seniors on their roster? And what that led to was, <clears throat> I knew kind of early on, San Diego State's going to make a run at this thing. Um, you know, they're a little long in the tooth compared to some of the teams that they have played. Um, and that experience, oh my God, there is no replacement for experience in college basketball.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um,
6: so maybe you know maybe some of the transfer guys, uh, maybe the guards from some Syracuse or um, you know maybe we'll get some season guys that were contributors. I think there's some smoke about the kid at Rice, uh, but I'm just I'm just I was just curious. I, I didn't know. Of course, you know a lot of people are out there thinking, oh this is the end of Bruce Pearl and oh my God the ceiling has has been hit now the roof's gonna fall in and uh but it is what it is i'm just curious how they replace them I, I appreciate you guys taking my call
1: absolutely matt we appreciate you calling in that is uh matt from phoenix city calling us here today on the auburn bank phone line we'll stick with it for a few more minutes here and then take our breaking and get to justin ferguson you know i think more thoughts on on there at the end there with uh maybe some bruce panic and obviously i don't think most of the Auburn communities panic. You can always find a few on social media, but you know other words. Uh, other people want to declare the end of a program or be the first on the scene of, of the end or that sort of thing. But I think Bruce Pearl, as recently as last year, helped you see what the ceiling can be. The ceiling is not necessarily what you think of it this year, which is a team that was kind of average to slightly above average all year ends up in the round of thirty-two. Never really a top 20, top 25 team once conference play got going. This, that, and the other. Bruce has illustrated in multiple ways how how high the ceiling can get. First, it was obviously the final four run from about four years ago. That's what Auburn can be in the postseason, get red hot and you know be inches away from a national championship game. So that ceiling has still been present in the tournament. And then, from a regular season's perspective, just look to last year. They were number one in the country. Yeah. They were finished as a 2C. That's between the 5th and 8th best team slotted in the NCAA tournament. That was last year. That was not five years ago. If you want to say the Final Four was a while ago, okay, great. But Auburn was an excellent team last year. They just ran out of steam and, and, and missed improvements in one or two areas that could have gotten them a deeper, deeper play in March. But... You know, this team, it's not like this is a four-year trend of just a bunch of bad teams. The team that did not get to compete uh, in the COVID year when the tournament song got canceled was another really good team. It was going to be, what, a four-seed probably-ish, and yeah. the tournament it was a top-20 team throughout the entire year, led by like Samir Dowdy, Javon McCormick, etc. So I think we're looking at this as, you know, okay, well, there's – perceived leakage there's a couple big-time recruits that didn't pan out and obviously last year's team did not make any sort of March run and then this year's team didn't have really any oomph but I think it's way too early to connect the dots that there's not steam in this program look at the future recruiting the recruiting has still been very good in the future it's not like Auburn is lacking ideas to get new players in here and depending on how this roster could end up changing I mean, yes, they could bring back Wendell and, and Flanagan and Williams and Broom and and quote-unquote run it back with just a couple ancillary peaches uh, pieces on the side, but they also might go in a completely different direction and bring in four or five new guys that end up either as starters or, or first guys off the bench, and that could be a very different team. It could be high-profile. It might not. We don't know, but I think, again, let's pump the brakes a little bit on any sort of decline narrative i think what 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 you're actually seeing here is the process of okay you finally missed on a couple you had a lot of things going right you were hitting on transfers early on you you were hitting on guys that were you know lower four-star guys that that ended up being three and four-year players and we saw that incremental development throughout their time at auburn that led to the final four team for the most part you saw how it could all go right and just in the last couple of years, you saw, all right, the flip side of that, if you miss on one or two, and just, just the dynamic of how quickly these rosters change. But there are plenty of examples across the country of teams that are maybe floundering way worse than Auburn or, or having boom or bust years. And then look at this NCAA tournament. A one seed didn't make the Elite Eight. You know, you had clear volatility uh, even more than I could have imagined or projected to have happened, clear volatility even with the perceived best teams in the country. And so you're, you have a lot of situations. The tournament can mess up your mind a lot. The, the tournament last year messed up our reaction to that Auburn team. That Auburn team had a very unfortunate end of the season, and it did absolutely underachieve in the postseason. It did not make it a bad Auburn team. Or a man Auburn team. That Auburn team was damn good for 34 or 35 games and then fell off at the very end. So that's our lasting image. Oh, well, they only went round of 32. Just about any Auburn team that's made the tournament ever went to the round of 32. They didn't do anything. Well, that's not entirely true. You know, if you're a one outcome person, maybe. But that team was still damn good from start to finish. And so that is what you've got to fight against is just only – looking at one part the basketball season is far more complex than some of these other uh, these other seasons because there are multiple ways to succeed. You can win a regular season championship which is meaningful. You can win a conference tournament which is meaningful. You can make a big run in the NCAA tournament which is obviously very meaningful, but there are there are more checkpoints in a college basketball season uh, to achieving success than other uh, other sports, I don't know if you guys want to add anything. Got a couple minutes if you do. I, I'm I'm going to just stick to what I said, as I think
3: Bruce has a plan. Um, and I think some of the guys that are currently on the roster are not part of that plan moving forward. I don't know what that plan is, but I'm going to trust that Bruce knows what they want that roster to look like. And that's simple and as simple as that. And, and we had said that there were going to be some guys that were not going to be here next year due to that. Um, you know, we, we've talked about Bob and I can bowl. I mean, it's pretty much – Bruce has pretty much told everybody that he has told him that, you know, he might want to look to go somewhere else. I think that's what happened with these two. That's j- It's just my hunch. I don't know this for a fact, but I think that they sat down in meetings with all the players and discussed what the plans were going forward. And I think for a guy, especially like Johan Treor, that he was not really going to be part of that plan moving forward. I think Westry – Maybe more of the plan going forward, but also looking at the fact of uh, a guy like Aiden Holloway coming in here and you've got more point guards coming in the next year. You know, what's going to happen with Wendell? You know, does he
1: fit with what's happening as well? And I, and I, and I think the answer is no. La- last 30-second point I'll make here too is I think Auburn has understood the types of guys to go for. I mentioned on the show last week, I don't forget which day it was, that they had some of the guys either on their roster at one point or nearly committed to them at one point that would have helped the equation and the dynamic of this team greatly. They had Justin Powell at one point. And now Powell went all over the place. There's obviously issues there. But if you just look at the basketball Justin Powell, he shot 40% from three at Wazoo this year and average double figures. Like That's exactly the type of guy... And he was even better than that, by the way, his one year at Auburn. But that's exactly the type of guy Auburn could have used for some backcourt shooting. Look at Trey Alexander and what he's done with Creighton as they made it all the way to the Elite Eight. Double-digit scorer, shooting a really good percentage from the perimeter, create his own shot at times. Auburn knew Trey (laughs) Alexander was going to be good. And so in some cases, they ended up taking – their, their second option. Sometimes they got their first option. You know, they were able to get Traor away from LSU, and that was a big deal for, for them. Two years ago, obviously, got Jabari Smith. They lost the Walker-Kessler battle originally, okay? And then they won it the second time. They always knew Kessler was going to be really good. So they've hit on plenty here. It's just that, oh, the, this team went followed up the number one ranking team to just being a kind of average team? What's wrong? Well, because those guys went pro, Nope. Their their first picks at some guys they wanted Eric Stevenson they knew Stevenson would help them out a lot he transferred to West Virginia they lost those battles Auburn is identifying the correct players you're not going to get them every single time that is the case for everybody but they have understood in most forms and fashions here what they've needed they just haven't been haven't been batting a thousand and in this situation. They had some guys that were not able to pick up the slack soon enough and now a couple of them are transferring out. We'll see what happens to some of these other veterans here at Auburn, but again, I don't think the evaluation process is wrong. I don't think there's anything there's not extra leakage that other teams are not going through. Kentucky lost a starting guard yesterday. Severe Wheeler. Carolina's lost a million players. You know, I mean like that that is that is what's going to happen in this day and age of NIL and transfer portal. We got to take our first timeout of hour number two. When we come back, Justin Ferguson will also try and tuck, talk us off the ledge. Uh, he'll talk about the transfer portal and what it means for Auburn, and also spring football practice. We're starting to get a little closer to a day. A day coming up in a, in a week and a half or so. So we'll talk some Auburn football with Ferg next.
0: You want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU.
1: I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress here. Had a fun time so far uh, in the show today. Again, coming up uh, in hour number three, we'll have more uh, college basketball uh, as we get set for the Final Four. Uh, Also, more on Auburn spring practice and an update on what's coming to Truist Park and the food department, uh, which is going to be very exciting. So we'll talk a little bit about that in hour number three. But for now, let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring in Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. And, Ferg, we expected this phone conversation to be uh, all football-related, but now we got some basketball news. But first and foremost, I hope you're doing well, and thanks for the time today.
6: Yeah, appreciate
1: it. So let's start with that basketball news before we get to spring practice. And uh, that, of course, is the news that Chance Westry and Yoan Traor are in the transfer portal. I think it's safe to say that Traor was on the the lesser surprising side of things, but Westry not as much. What can you tell us about uh, these two guys that are now going to be departing the program after one year?
6: Yeah, it's, uh, it's- you know, not surprising that Auburn's got guys that are moving on from the program, you know, here this off season, but maybe surprising the kind of the timing and who they were specifically. But I mean, you know Trey was a guy who didn't break into the rotation, you know, very much as 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 a freshman, you know, a guy who's came to basketball later than a lot of other guys. So, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of athletic talent, but you know, it didn't seem to kinda of hit a stride in that picking up that power forward spot for Auburn and you know, he had some had some moments where he did, you know, pretty well in, in some some areas, but you know, didn't really make a ton of impact this year, had some DNPs and SEC play. And so move, him moving on and going somewhere else is not a total shock just to see, you know, um, you know, what what his outlook was going to be and maybe uh, finding somewhere where he could be a, a different fit. Chance Wester, on the other hand, I think there was a lot of you know, thought uh, that Wester was going to try to give him back a go You know, next season. He had that knee injury this year that kept him out for most of the year, and Auburn shut him down, trying to redshirt him. You should know, see just kind of how that redshirt status ends up shaking out wherever he goes next because of kind of the percentages of uh, you know how many he can get to get a medical redshirt and all that, and the waiver process can be very complicated, but – um, you know, I think there was a lot of people who thought Westry was going to come back. He said he, he said you know, a couple of weeks ago his plan was to come back. Um, so I think this move kind of took some people by surprise today, not just fans. Uh, I do think uh, this was a situation where I don't know if Auburn necessarily saw this one, you know, coming. Um, you know, don't want to say it's kind of like the Justin Powell from move from a couple of years ago, but yeah, this is a guy that young guy that I think people thought would come back from injury and. And really um, give give Auburn a shot uh, uh, next year, but we'll see. Um, you know, this this makes Auburn's roster very interesting because as it stands right now, they got ten guys um, and, and thirteen scholarships, you know, total that you can play with. They got ten right now. Eight of them would be seniors if they came back next season. One of them, the sophomore, and Trey Donaldson Of course, you're bringing in Aiden Holloway. So, you got right now, as it stands, you got three scholarship spots to play with before anybody else makes any sort of decisions, and so um, this can go in a lot of different directions. You know, Auburn's very active in the transfer portal; um, they are, you know, going after a lot of different guys. I mean, I put up a, a roster tracker um, just a couple of hours ago with the observer, and there's like over a dozen guys you can already say Auburn's been recruiting in the portal. So um, this is going to be a pretty busy off season. I think these two moves uh, are really going to show that. Auburn's got to Auburn's got to go into the portal and, and reload this year,
2: Justin. When when you look at the what Auburn's got left on this basketball roster uh, after Traor and and Westry's decisions today uh, to go into the portal, who's the next guy? Do you think makes a decision whether they're coming back or whether they're in you know go moving on from Auburn?
6: I, I think the next step is to see what the guys that can come back for their fifth COVID year is going to be. Um, Jalen Williams. Alan Flanagan and Stretch out and Bondo Stretch didn't play much this season, but he's also well was a scholarship guy who could come back for a COVID year. But, you know, specifically Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams, I think their decisions kind of I don't want to say, you know, set the tone for everybody else, but you know, I do think it matters a lot. You know, if you could bring back two starters who play a lot of basketball like Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams, if both of those guys are like, Hey, we want to play college ball another year, we want to stay at Auburn, um you know that changes a lot, and that changes a lot of the dynamic of what your what your wings and your forwards look like next season, uh, and who you need to go get in the portal. Um, I, you know, I, I would I would not be surprised at all if there's more guys who decide to leave Auburn. Um, you know, this this offseason just because of playing time and and you know just kind of the remaking of the roster that there's been. It's just kind of natural uh, to have that that sort of attrition in, in college basketball each year, but. Uh, I do think the next two big dominoes are, um, you know, Alan Flanagan and Zayla Williams. And what they decide kind of shows what Auburn has to do moving forward.
2: Justin, you mentioned a minute ago, you know, a list of guys that are coming into the program. One of those, the biggest names, Aiden Holloway, of course, McDonald's All-American. He's actually playing in the McDonald's All-American game tonight uh, down in Houston. What is the, what do you think Auburn wants to, is is there anything that Auburn wants to see from this uh, All-American game tonight? Or do you think that they're, you know, everything's fine, Bruce Pearl just, you know, this is just an exhibition game for them?
6: More of a, just a showcase, and you want to you want Aiden to play well, and you want folks to get excited about him. I'm very interested to see what Aiden does, you know, in this and where it kind of fits in with Auburn. Aiden Holloway has played point guard uh, this past I know for a fact this past season. A prolific, prolific prep out in California, he's been playing uh, point guard, but he was a two guard. Uh, so I know he's on the smaller end, but he's just a dynamic, sharp shooter. Um, really good at the catch and shoot game, but also can create off the dribble. And like he's a guy where you know uh, Auburn right now has Wendell Green Jr. and Trey Donaldson coming back next season as as, as the is constructed right now um, is Aiden Holloway a guy that they can play at the two? Is Aiden Holloway a, a, you know because his size is just strictly going to be a one? I mean I think there's going to be a lot of questions to kind of figure out and how Auburn solves the rest of their you know kind of backcourt. I think the puzzle will, will will be interesting to see. But yeah, for Holloway, I think it's just. Get people excited about what's coming next. This is a dude who is as close to a five star as you can be without being a five star uh, across the board. McDonald's All American. I mean, that that makes you an elite player. Only a handful of Auburn players have ever been in this game. Um, so it'll be it'll be a pretty big exposure moment, I think, for, for him to the program.
1: Justin, let's now transition into Auburn football, uh, kind of involving spring practice, but but at the same time, uh, more on the recruiting trail from from Hugh Freeze. Uh, getting Jamarion Burnett last week, you know, the four star running back. This continues a line uh, of Cadillac Williams since he's been in Auburn, just getting some of the creme de la creme uh, of, of talented running backs. So, talk a little bit about Burnett, but also just as Cadillac Williams continues on here with Auburn, just the array of running backs they've got in that room right now.
6: Yeah, Pat Burnett out of um, Andalusia has, uh, had an incredible year last year for, for them. He, you know, state champion at the, uh, at the 5A level. Um, runs really, really well. Runs really hard. Um, he's a bigger guy, um, kind of close to kind of 210-220 um, somewhere in that range. At running back, you watch him on film. He reminds people a lot running style wise of Derrick Henry, just kind of the way he's kind of built and kind of the way he runs straight up and um, and likes to you know just kind of hammer away at people between the tackles and also punish people in the open field. Uh, he's a very different type of player. Um, you know, we we talk about, you know, have Jarquell Hunter and uh, Demari Austin and Jeremiah Cobb. I think they all kind of have the same sort of, you know, kind of architect as a, as a running back. And then Brian Baptiste, the this, this scat back, the super, super fast scat back that he's got. Uh, this would be pretty different. I, you know, I think, I don't know if Auburn's really had a quote-unquote running back that's looked quite like uh, Burnett. Uh, in a while so he, he's an interesting case uh, not for sure really good player though um, you're talking about a top 10 running back in the country you're talking about one of the best uh, players in the state of Alabama you know both of those things are really really big and uh, I wrote about it you know, earlier this week in the Observer uh, Alec Williams um, since he's gotten here Auburn has signed a four star uh, running back or better uh, in four of his five classes um, there's only 12 teams in college football that have done that And the only thing that kept Auburn from being one of only four teams to get, or I guess they would make it five teams, to get five straight years of having a a blue-chip running back is um, Jarquez Hunter was only rated as a a low three-star. And I think everybody who's watched Hunter the first two seasons can tell that was probably some underrating on his part um, just because of how good he's been early on at Auburn. So... Um, it's, it's been a really, really good stretch here for Cadillac. Um, you know, he's one of those dudes that I think right now, with the way he finished the season for Auburn as the interim and the way he's recruiting and the way he's developing and, and the way he's got a really good, consistent running back room that I think should be the strength of this offense again in 2023. Uh, he can do no wrong right now, and uh, I don't think there's a more popular you know man in, in Auburn, Alabama than Cadillac Williams, and
3: for a big reason. Yep. Uh, ESPN's Heather Denich has been uh, embedded with the uh, uh, the spring practice uh, over the last couple of days here at Auburn, and uh, she had a tweet that really kind of jumped out at me, and she says, uh, Auburn football fans, you might need some um, patience with your wide receivers. Uh, that doesn't sound very good for what she's seen from the wide receivers, uh, out there what have you seen from them what do you know about them uh is that going to be a concern for auburn
6: yeah it's definitely a work in progress i think that's the one position group on offense for that needs the most work i mean quarterbacks obviously is a, is a big one and you know a lot of us talked about yesterday with holton Garner taking taking a step forward and you know keep seeing the progress from those guys uh in the room uh this past week so, yeah wide receivers me Outside of Javarius Johnson and Cornbread, you still have a lot of established experience coming back. You got a lot of new guys learning some you know, new things that haven't had to play a whole lot. There's also been a lot of injuries as well. Like I think Camden Brown and some of these guys have had good springs, but um, you know you just you've been limited in who, who you can have out there. Um, they haven't been able to kind of go full strength and full speed. So you look up and there's some times in the second and third string you got some walk-ons playing wide receiver just because it's the availability right now. So. It's it's definitely a work in progress. It is a group that I think has got to show a lot of improvement. But I mean, that's that's what we should have expected coming into it. Cover didn't have a whole lot coming back at wide receiver this year outside of a couple guys, and also they just haven't been very productive in the wide receiver position these last few seasons. Um, so when you're starting from scratch, you're starting with a brand new offense, and you're learning a bunch of stuff. You got some young guys, some guys that have played a ton. This is what's going to happen. But that's exactly what spring football is for.
1: And then Justin, obviously, we, we got to talk to you a little bit about quarterbacks as we do for you know every single time we talk football. But uh, mm-hmm. Holden Gerner made strides, strides, according to, to Hugh Freeze here earlier this week. And, and my question is more so not where you power rank the QBs right now or anything like that, but when you're trying to assess what coaches are talking about in the spring, and, and being so far removed. Uh, from from actual, the actual season. I mean, we're just as close to the the end of last season as we really are to the, the first of the next season. So right. when you read between the lines of, of how coaches speak in the, in the spring, like like just how much do you value, how, how much they're talking about their players, just what do you look for in trying to discern how these guys are actually stacking up to their competitors in these races?
6: I think at this point in spring practice is whenever you say, hey, this player's doing well, or hey, he's taking a step forward. It matters because – these are competitions, you know, for a young guy like Holm Garner who we haven't really seen play, but a handful of snaps and he's young, like that's, you know, it is significant when you can say, Hey, he's up there and he's having a great day. Uh, he's had a great week of practice. You know, he, he really made strides. You Yesterday at practice, he was the first guy out there uh, with the quarterbacks and something we hadn't seen off. So like that's significant when these patterns start to break a little bit and you start seeing new stuff at this point, because it's not like, it's not like okay, they're just rolling everybody out there and trying everything out. To, to hear a coach say, you know, talk specifics about a young player like this, to see him make a move that you can kind of say, okay, well, we haven't seen him do this yet. Um, that 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 matters, you know. But this is also one week, and there are you know a couple more weeks left of spring Gratis and a day, and then you got all the summer and you got all the fall camp, and so. If you treat it just like what it is, which is a portion, it's a piece of the puzzle, it's not the whole puzzle, I think that's the most important thing. You don't want to overlook it entirely, but you also don't want to you know, sit here and say, oh, this means Holden garner is going to be the starter. I do think Holden garner has a better chance to be a starter today than he did at the beginning of spring because of the progress he's made, Um but also there's a long way to go.
1: Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. One fun with Fur questionnaire. Before we we'll let you get out of here, we're going to talk a little ballpark food in hour number three as right. Trues Park revealed six new food items uh, at Trues Park. What's your favorite ballpark food out there?
6: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think I'm a I'm I'm a sucker for uh, for like ballpark nachos. Like they don't even have to be high quality. Like just the basic like just chips and that like. Not that everybody else uses. Like I, I enjoy it. Like it's good uh, to me. I know it's not <laughs> high quality by any means. Um, so nachos are kind of like the thing that I always go back to whenever I think of you know ballpark food. I'm not a hot dog guy, so I don't I don't really lean towards that. I know a lot of people are, especially when it comes to baseball season. So it, that's the one that kind of hits me the most. Now you're talking about truets, um, you know, and they've got some you know crazy stuff. I know you are going to talk about it, like some some of those crazy concoctions. One of the things that I've always enjoyed at Truist is that there's a place down the third baseline. I think they might have a couple of them um, in the park, but there's a there's a place that does a ton of fries. Like it's the that's the main thing they do there, and um, they have a funnel cake fry like dish where it's just an easier way to eat funnel cakes, and it's really really good. And that's That's one of my favorite things uh, at at Truist specifically, Um, but you know it's a it's a good way. Like because like a big funnel cake, you can kind of just be hammering away at it and messy and all that. The, The fries make it. I think they I think they come out better. They're crispier that way. Um, but also i think they're just easier to eat so i um, big fan of
1: those i'll have to try those out i know a lot of people like funnel cakes and i just can't ever get through a whole one of them
6: yeah 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 like yeah that's a good point
1: it is as much awful food as i as i go through in a week i just can't get all the way through a funnel cake so maybe we'll try the fries right. and, and smaller portion but ferg is always the times greatly appreciate what do you have going on here at the auburn observer over the next couple of weeks
6: yeah, as I said, uh, we've got uh, the roster tracker for basketball, so we're going to keep an eye on a lot of stuff uh, up there. Um, so you can check that out if you're a subscriber. I um, we'll have a story tomorrow on uh, one Auburn player that's really kind of caught a lot of, of attention here during spring practices and kind of digging in with with him. You can check that out. Um, we'll have the Mailbag Later in the Week podcast as well. We talk football and basketball. Got a whole lot of stuff, and it's the perfect time to sign up. Because we're still running our spring practice special, so between now and uh, the end of eight-day weekend, you can get a whole year of the Observer for just forty dollars, which is thirty-three percent off our normal yearly rate. Go to auburnobserver.com. sign up there.
1: He is Justin Ferguson. As always, the time is greatly greatly appreciated. Justin, hope you have a, a great week, and we look forward to chatting again soon.
6: Absolutely, thank okay.
1: you. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Again, always gracious with his time. Joins us really each and every week on this program. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to. Have him take a little bit of an off-season hiatus here soon. Uh, he's been working hard. Uh, you go through the football and the basketball season. What's that, you know, like eight eight consecutive months of just everything, everywhere all at once? <laughs> I, think, I,
2: I think we should get him uh, once a week to do the the home field report on whatever the new drop. Oh, is. Oh, yeah, he's a big home
1: field guy. We'll have him on uh, a couple more weeks here talking about spring ball, uh, and then we'll go through some off-season stuff. Might have him in studio from time to time, but I always appreciate Justin Ferguson Uh, and everything that he does with the Auburn Observer. Out of time here for hour number two already in hour number three. Still a lot to do as teased just a second ago. We're going to go through the new ballpark foods that you can find at Truist Park here this season. Also a little bit more college basketball, a little bit more Auburn spring practice. Stay tuned. A lot more ahead here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call.
0: Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
1: Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here again. Our thanks to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us in hour number two to talk spring practice and this Auburn basketball team, a lot of interesting conversations coming uh, in the coming days about Auburn basketball, the roster management, the decisions that everyone this time of year has to make. I mean, that is the biggest difference from now to maybe just seven or eight years ago is that you have to get a commitment to return. In this day and age of the transfer portal in college basketball, you've got to get everyone to say verbally yes or no. Uh, even guys that are obviously not destined for the pros that have been a part of your roster for a few years. So still, uh, everyone's got to say their intentions. And, of course, we're referring to Chance Westry and Yohan Treor stating their intention earlier today to transfer. Those conversations will continue uh, throughout the week and the, the coming weeks. We'll also have more in spring practice coming up, opening day just around the corner. And so with all this sports talk, Let's start hour number three with some food talk. Okay, uh, Now, it still loosely relates to, um, to the sport of baseball and to opening day because Truist Park announced six new food items that you can partake from uh, of their offerings for the concession stands inside of the ballpark this year. Of course, the Atlanta Braves were a proud affiliate. We hope to have some Braves guests on in the coming days to preview the season and talk a little bit about this team. The Braves have high expectations once again, and they're just absolutely trying to bring it in the food department. And I I don't know every ballpark in the league. I'm not going to make some broad statement that that the Braves just, just, just go for it more than other ballparks. But I'm just going to say that even dating back to the last – days of, uh, of what Turner Field when they did the burger eats and all that uh, the Braves are actively trying to do uh, fun food things so we're gonna tell you about the six new items coming to Truist Park uh, throughout this year first up and I'm gonna get your guys instant reaction would you eat it do you think it's awesome what's r- wrong about a topping on it just give me the rundown okay starting off is the cleanup burger Four grilled all beef patties topped with golden hash brown potato, okay. hickory smoked bacon, okay. cheese, and sunny side, fri- uh, si- sunny side fried egg mm-hmm. served on a fresh buttermilk Belgian waffle mm. with oh. maple syrup. Serves Ooh. anywhere from one to four if you dare. It can be the 1871 grills where you can pick it, up, uh, pick it up near Section 113. Here is what it is supposed to look like uh, for you okay. guys. It's, it's got not like going to help you guys. Stack of fries on, in the middle of yeah. it. Yeah, not going to help you guys listening right now. But just showing it Oof. to Brooks and Tom right now. What you do you guys find, think? You, let I was going to say
2: if you're out there, you can find these all over Twitter and yes, Instagram the, right the truest
1: parks account. <laughs> yeah, uh, is who tweeted these uh, these pictures.
2: Honestly. I, there's nothing on it that tells that that would sway me to say no to eating it, except for the maple syrup. What? I Wait, don't. Whoa. I whoa. don't know if the maple syrup would work with the ground beef. It's got. Oh no! Absolutely, it would. I don't
3: know. I don't, I, <laughs> I, we got some dissent here. I mean, you, got, you gotta have. I mean, you got waffles. You gotta, you gotta have waffle, maple. Yeah. You gotta have maple syrup on the waffles. I,
2: I think w- maybe you, you could go with like an infused, like inf- infusion into the waffles of the maple syrup, kind of like you do, like the what's the oh, the Mc uh, McGriddle, where you got the maple syrup infused into the pancake little buns. So almost. you're
1: worried that the syrup is going to run onto yeah. the patty and yeah. it's going to create something. It's going to make weird. messy. Oh, that's going to be me- that's a mess. Okay, that's- let me preface this. Almost all these suits are going to be really messy. Yeah, you you have to you have to want it. <laughs> I I don't know. The waffle part is fun for me. The, I'm, the I'm all for the waffle. And I'm so therefore, you got to see. Okay, what if it, the syrup is kind of drizzled just on top of the waffle? It's not really Maybe. getting down to the other layers. Maybe. All right, one to ten. How interested? To seven. Necessary? Oh, that's a ten for seven me. Seven to oh. eight. Tom's going to eat it as soon as he gets in the ballpark. Yes. seven or eight. Seven or eight. Yeah depends on the I, day i i would go out
3: of my if, way to get that meat if
2: out. it's an 11 a.m game like if it's 11 a.m first pitch uh-huh. and i'm walking in truist park that i'm i may get that That's it's like a higher. breakfast burger yeah, yeah it's like a brunch brunchy burger. yeah i mean
1: you got the fried egg in there sunny side up i'm an eight i i uh, well no i'm gonna go nine i'm gonna go nine and here's why um i usually don't look like big conglomerate foods that have like 82 things in them i like a few things but you guys know I'm not a big condiment person. Not that that's in here because it's not. And I don't do a lot of chaos in the food section. But this one of all these is probably going to be my favorite. So that's a nine. That's the cleanup burger. Again, four grilled all beef patties, golden hash brown potato, hickory smoked bacon, cheese, and sunny side up fried egg served on a fresh buttermilk buttermilk, excuse me, Belgian waffle, with maple syrup i i will
3: say this the <clears throat> the only thing i i will back mine down from a nine uh, from a 10 to a nine because okay. of one thing and i would have to be certain of it I'm very particular about cheese that goes on okay something like that now if it's just like straight up like cheddar cheese i'm good but if it's like the american like the you know the the cheapo uh, craft single slice or whatever that you see a lot of people use on burgers and stuff. No, it is
1: it is interesting that they only just said cheese and they just said hickory smoked bacon cheese and sunny
2: side. It's got to uh, be just like a, a craft single then. Yeah.
1: See, and i i would a, I would actually ask for that without cheese. Okay, I, I don't know how much you'll be able to customize these, but take something off. Hopefully, surely, surely you can just yeah. take the cheese off. Right.
2: Yeah. Unless right. it's, like, you know, it's got, like, one of those grab-and-go, and, and then it's already made. But I, maybe not. I don't
1: know. All right. Uh, yeah. This occur- occur- this is going to act, of course, as the precursor mm-hmm. uh, for our Wacky Wednesday tomorrow, Yay. which we'll be eating food on Live Radio. Right. So talking about food on Live Radio. All right. So that's the cleanup burger. Again, all these six items will be available at Truist Park this year. Number two, the Submarine Sandwich how smoked turkey breast oh. carved to order in front of fans oh. with red dragon cheddar sauce, applewood bacon, fried green tomato, oh. butter lettuce, and avocado crema can be built for one or, or, or <laughs> as a three foot long sub for up to eight
0: people. Goodness, goodness
3: gracious. All right. Well, so I, I can go ahead and tell you that one for me is going to be like a, two oh for for which reason avocado i don't do i don't do avocado you
2: mentioned we 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 talked about that when we did the jelly bean test because the guacamole yeah
3: i don't i don't do avocado i it's just gross i don't have the taste for it i don't like it gross so that being one of the main condiments on there and then also the whole cheese sauce again i'm Mm. very particular with cheese i can be
0: too i understand and
3: and so when you when i'm combining a an unfamiliar cheese sauce with that I may not like with something that I know I'm not going to like, I'm not going to get it.
2: I'd go with everything else on there. Sounds great, but I I would go with seven, especially because it can be either one or eight like that. That's, I like the, I like the, you can either carry around a three foot long uh, log of sandwich around the ballpark or, you can get yourself, you know, just just one for yourself. And so I, I do like that. Op- I do like the option where they, they either give you the super size one or you can get, so I'd say a seven. Again, I'm with Tom. I wouldn't do the, like the avocado is probably my least favorite part of that sandwich, but I'd still eat it.
1: Yeah, I'm very hit or miss on some of these items because I don't do avocado at all. So that knocked it down very low, but the red dragon cheddar sauce is in- interesting cuz it sounds spicy so i might yeah. enjoy that i i can be weird with texture of cheeses don't don't ask me why some people just have their little quirks and that's mine if it's too liquidy it's a texture thing and somebody's rolling their eyes right now because of queso and i'm sorry that is just how I am. Mm. but I don't like queso. Uh, I don't either. And again, someone just drove off the road, and mm. I'm sorry for that. But um, So those two things are interesting to me. But, of course, I like applewood bacon a lot. Home smoked or house smoked turkey breast, yes. And the fact that this can just be the most gigantic thing you want it to be. I mean, obviously, I'm not eating all three feet. I'm not trying to, to store up for the winter. <laughs> but... This is, uh, this is interesting, too. That can be found in the carvery near Section 112. Again, the submarine sandwich, house smoked turkey breast, carved to order in front of fans with red dragon cheddar sauce, applewood bacon, fried green tomato, butter lettuce, and avocado crema can be built for one or as a three-foot-long sub, which is just egregious for up to eight people. I'll rate it as a five right down the middle. Some things I'd take off, but some things I'd clearly enjoy a lot. Yeah. All right, number three, the Georgia BLT. This one's a lot simpler. Probably got mayonnaise involved, so I'm not going to eat it. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) Bologna, or Bologna, if you like to just say it. Bologna, butter lettuce, tomato, pimento cheese, and garlic mayo on a brioche bun. I'm zero.
2: (sighs) Gosh. Tom would like that to not exist. The The only thing that's throwing me off is the bologna. Like, I'm not, a no big, like I'm not a big bologna. Like, I'll eat it, but I'm not a big bologna fan. But the pimento cheese, and the, what did you say? It was, like, garlic mayo? Uh, Garlic mayo, yes. Gosh, that sounds good. Like, especially the pimento cheese. I'm a big pimento cheese oh. advocate. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's the bologna that's throwing it off. I'd say a five. Okay, a okay five. it's still pretty low overall. Yeah. This
1: is going to be our combined low All score. Right. I have it as a one. So I, uh, I don't put any food, many foods at zero, so I'll just go one. I, so
3: I'm putting it at zero because anybody that knows me knows my dislike of mayonnaise of uh, any sort. Pimento cheese that's true has mayonnaise in it. Yeah, uh, uh, zero. but the other the what, other thing is the, the other thing. <laughs> I don't like bologna, and, and it's a BLT. That's supposed to be a bacon, lettuce, tomato, not a bologna, lettuce, tomato. Uh-huh. They screwed it up. <laughs>
2: well, they got but bacon so, and all Georgia. these other things. They're going to run out of bacon. It's a care. Georgia. It's a Georgia BLT, Tom.
3: <laughs> um, I I don't like I don't like bologna. I don't like mayonnaise, and I don't like pimento cheese because it's got mayonnaise in it. That's a one hundred percent zero. Uh Uh-uh. You ain't going to see me getting that anywhere near me.
1: That will be at the 1871 Grill near Section 141. So we had one other food item, that uh, cleanup burger, which is 1871 Grill, but that's only in Section 113 or near 113. This one's near Section 141. Y'all go zero. So in the aggregate, we got five whole points out of 30 there, so I don't think that one's going to be Sports Call's pick. All right, on to number four. Again, these are the six new foods coming to Truist Park. This is the Triple Play a play on the caribbean staple papas Relanos r, r-, r- e l l e n a s Rayanos. Sure. Rayanos. there you go sure. featuring a creamy potato oh. filled with chicken oh. and then fried golden brown oh if uh, for those that cannot see the image i'm showing looks like a baseball uh, yeah. exactly looks like a baseball but basically it's got it's a potato on the outside filled with chicken and fried golden brown I'm I'm down with that. With a little so, bit of maybe it? sugar on it, it looks like it's got some
3: is, that, know, some. is it
2: just like chicken and potato?
1: Looks like it.
3: Yeah.
2: Interesting. I don't think but, that's fried. That's
3: probably like a uh, um, ground, like a uh, queso, like uh, cheese sprinkled over the top of it. Like parmesan. Think. It's kind of like parmesan, except it's probably like a queso, like a grated queso over the top.
1: I don't know if that's what would. It, well, it didn't oh, say it. Again, play on the Caribbean table. I thought that... Hold on. What is the... Papa's... Raylanos... Re, Raylanos.
2: Re, re, R-E-L-L-E-N-A-S? Yes. Hold on. I I'm think it's some this. sort of
1: sugar or something. It could I'm be. On. I'm going to look it up. Because I, up I thought Papa... Recipe. I
2: thought that... I Fried stuffed potatoes. Because yeah. all... That's, I mean, that's what this thing looks like, is it looks like it's just... And I'm not looking at the exact same one that you're looking at. I'm just looking at right. like, a generic recipe. It looks like you just boil potato and you like, then you open it up, and stick stuff in the middle of it, then fry it. Yeah. And it's like a handful of mashed potato. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'd be a fan of that because it, it sounds so simple that I think you need to add something else to it, like chicken and something else inside of it. You know, like Almost like you were going to go or, to a pot well, I thought it said it's
1: got <laughs> chicken in it.
2: Yeah, it's got chicken, but he's but saying like more, than more than just chicken. Oh, more, more than just, oh, more chicken. Than just yeah. chicken.
1: It's just potato wrapped around chicken, essentially yeah. fried. It's yeah. kind of odd. Sounds like, good to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it'd be bad, but it's just I haven't thought about doing give, that. Give me some sort of like
2: like pepper or something inside of it, like a jalapeno, or uh-huh. or like put some cheese inside of it.
1: So what? What, what do? You, what's your interest level? Gosh,
2: I don't know. It's
1: four. Four. Okay.
3: I I'll give that one like a six. Because I mean, I, it sounds good. There's nothing extravagant about it, but there's doesn't sound like there's anything in there that I would just not like.
2: Now let me say, you said it in front of me, and I take a bite. It could be really good, right. but my interest in eating it is what we're asking here. So right? It's a four. Exactly. I'll put.
1: I'll go in the middle, and I'll say five, four, five, six for us. Um, I inherently like potato and chicken. I'm just not sure about them b- presented the way that they're being presented, and also. I, I want to know what that little dusting of whatever that is on yeah. the top is gonna be. That could be uh that could factor in again. That's the triple play. You can Be found section three thirteen and three forty three markets. That's up up so top. You gotta go gotta go up there. All right, two so my more seats are. Number five, the Dewey Dog. Uh oh. And Dewey sausage oh. topped with beef chili, oh. onion and cheddar cheese. That's it.
2: That's
3: it. Oh, oh I'm my gosh. I, that's a that's a ten
2: uh The only thing that's that's I'm not an <clears throat> onion person, so I guess I would ask them to take the onion off. Right. But I'd say an eight, like I'd do it. It's not going to like my stomach very quickly. Right. But I, like.
3: I, and the, andouille andouy is pretty. Andouy is a, a spicy sausage. Cause andouille is what normally goes in Cajun dishes, yeah. and so it's spicy sausage.
1: Yeah. But I'll go eight because I would be concerned that I would need to visit facilities afterwards. Oh. I I I'll, I'll find a facility just to have that in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's the Dewey dog and Dewey sausage topped with beef chili, onion and cheddar cheese, section 313. The cheddar cheese is not melted. It looks like it's just kind of sprinkled. Yeah.
2: I bet it melts though when it hits the chili. Well, was, but
3: see yeah. and, and I will take the, you know, shredded cheddar over the top of that, not a cheese sauce, right. But if they just sprinkle cheddar cheese on that, mm,
2: yeah. Could you imagine putting like nacho cheese on that. Ooh.
1: So that can be found in the Section 313 market. So that's too. also up top, and it's not at 313 and 343. Section 313 market. But what you can find at the Section 343 market is the closer. This is the last item. Oh. Wow. Fittingly called the closer. All right. It starts off normal, then it becomes not normal. All beef hot dog, wrapped in mozzarella whipped potatoes. Oh, and fried golden brown, served with spicy mayo. Nope. It kind of looks like a fried... I mean, it's see, fried corn dog.
2: This is what you needed to do to that that the potato ball thing is. You know, it's uh, you said you get mozzarella. You said mozzarella in the potatoes. Like
1: it just uh, yeah, all together uh, wrapped in mozzarella whipped
3: potatoes. Yeah,
2: that's what you got to put some cheese in those potatoes with the chicken ball thing. No.
3: I, the, I'm I'm off with the spicy mayo. I mean, I would get that. That would be a um, so I'm going to give that a four because hopefully I could order that without the mayo and that
1: would take it to like a six, but it, it says served with spicy mayo, which seems to indicate that like it's on the side, even though on the picture, it it's looks like, like drizzled, drizzled on, on the top, top of it. Yeah. So maybe you it already was already coming on the side. I'm not sure. Don't know. I'm not eating it if it's, if it's on it. Right. But if spicy mayo didn't exist
3: there, is it still a four? No, it's it's like a six. Okay. Yeah, it's like a six for me without the mayo. With the mayo, it's a four.
1: I'd say nine. I'd be interested oh, in that. Yeah. I'm gonna go like seven. I wanna know what mozzarella whipped potato tastes like. Um, probably pretty good. I mean yeah, it's probably, it, I yeah. mean, it's cheesy it's cheesy potatoes, except it's mozzarella cheese instead of yeah. like cheddar. And then obviously I'm good with hot dog. I I could probably take out the spicy mayo too. Not a big spicy mayo person. Um not a big any mayo person but so that's the closer and that's at section 43 so again you've got almost i don't want to say two kinds of hot dogs but i mean with hot dog is kind of the base there you've got that potato filled chicken you got the georgia blt with balagna or Bologna. <laughs> uh and then you've got the submarine sandwich, which is just like if anyone like at the local sandwich shop just got crazy and just just kept building it out further and further. It can be up to three feet long. How would you carry that? That'd be dumb for a second? How would you carry three feet?
2: Uh, carefully.
1: Th- thank you. I mean, <laughs> it would have to be carefully, but I mean, yeah,
2: that's when you—that's how you take you take a friend with you to the concession stand, and then you just kind of like carry it like you would, it. Yeah, you like carry it like you're carrying like a two by four to a construction site. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Uh, and then the the first one, again, was the, the cleanup burger.
2: Also, think about, like, you're trying to get, like, if you're sitting in the middle of a section and you've got a couple friends there and you're going to share the sandwich, but you still got to get past a couple people, excuse me, excuse, and you're carrying, like, the sandwich, right? Like, you get one person walk by, sandwich, 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 another person walks by with it.
1: It needs to come with the sound effect of a truck backing up. <laughs> Is what that thing needs to do. That thing is gonna be hard to transport.
2: You know what I you know what's missing from that list that they, they haven't done you know, they didn't they didn't do and I'm always a sucker for when I go to the ballpark? What's that? Is a new ice cream dish. huh. I always like I'm always a sucker for the for getting ice cream in the ballpark. You either dip and dot I'll do Dippin' dots, do the soft serve and the helmet. Like Yeah, I
1: did that last
2: year. The Braves a couple years ago they had that uh they had that uh Dip tomahawk ice cream thing where they was like the tomahawk ice cream and then they dip it in the chocolate sauce and it would like coat into like a chocolate shell and then they'd roll it in like some peanuts or something that was, that was creative then
1: yeah I, I i don't know why the lack of uh, frozen treats frozen treats are very important on a hot uh hot summer day uh, which the majority of home games will
2: be like i was looking because you know everybody does the new foods in the start of the year. Every you know they they do. They have MLB Food Fest during the off season to let you know. Hey, here's the new ballpark foods coming out. I was looking and the Reds uh, have this thing called the Red Legs Soft Serve, which is vanilla ice cream with fruit punch Kool Aid flavoring and a, your choice of topping, served in a miniature Reds helmet. Like I'd eat that. Yeah. that sounds great.
1: I, I I admittedly had some fruit punch the other week. Not not in a and an ice cream but uh fruit punch is good man uh it is fascinating to see how these do, now does every ballpark do it though
2: i just i, I googled 2023 mlb f- uh, food new and every like texas rangers have an article the braves six hours ago posted their article right. uh great american ballpark yankee stadium rays white Sox. um let see if i can find any more flip it through here uh, Dodger, it says new Dodger food, 2023 American family feel, which is the Brewers. Uh, yeah. I mean, Mets, Mets had some crazy ballpark food that uh, they, they just started releasing, I think. um, Gosh, what was the, a oh, lot of they, them do it. They did a yeah. They did um. They it's a, a fried chicken sandwich with glazed donuts for the buns at at uh, City Field. Oh hello. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Donut. Um. <clears throat> I've seen that. They'll do that with a uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Like chop it, chop it in half, uh, and use that as your bun for a Krispy Kreme donut with and then, and burgers and. Uh-huh. Oh, and that's going to have that a that
1: would be it, diabetes, but that,
3: it, oh, it's yeah, going to okay. have
2: a honey yeah. barbecue sauce
1: on it too. Oh wow! I don't know if barbecue sauce with the donut. I'm going to be like you with the waffle. Well, no, you with the uh, the burger and the syrup. It, I don't know if barbecue sauce on a donut.
2: The Mets are doing a a milkshake topped with a glazed donut topped with popcorn. <laughs> oh.
3: I mean, There's I don't. A lot what is this? At Chase Field, the the Reuben, some dirt on it, dog. What? <laughs> Reuben, Reuben, R E U B E N, like a Reuben, a Reuben, Reuben sandwich. yeah, yeah. Reuben, some dirt on it, dog.
1: At Chase Field, man, we could we could go all day with the food.
2: Wasn't no. it? It was the Royals last year. Did a uh, did a barbecue sandwich that had Reese's cups in it. Excuse me. Yeah, the the Royals had a had a. It was last year. I don't know if they still do it, but it was pulled pork. And you know, just normal pulled pork, but in like in the pulled pork, there was Reese's like little mini Reese's cups in it. And then it was just the rest of it was a regular pulled pork sandwich. Holy cow. And it but it had Reese's cups in it.
1: I will irrationally flock to Reese's items. <laughs> uh yeah. Man. Well see, now I feel like Atlanta didn't do <laughs> as good kind of a job.
3: So there's rubin some dirt on it. Oh man. Thirty dollars for this thing. Oh no, it's two it's two hot dogs. Uh each of these dogs eighteen inches long. What? With a Shriner's hot dog and Bratwurst, respectively. The Reuben is wrapped in a rye bun and smothered with mac and cheese, fried pickles, and green onions, topped off with a secret sauce to create something truly delectably horrific for your doctor. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'm just I'm not all about the secret sauce.
1: <laughs> man, so yeah. True's Park, not the only one, but uh, we did want to give you the uh, the opportunity. The more to, I think
2: about it, I think I want to move the 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 Georgia BLT up to a six. The well, pimento cheese just keeps growing on me. I think I'd still move it up. I'd move it up to a six. Gotcha. Well, hopefully
1: you're you're planning go some Braves games this year, so hopefully you can you can try uh, out some of these. And again, wanted to give the listeners the opportunity to know what they can expect inside of Truist Park this year in, in the form of concession stands. We need to take our next time out of the show. Uh, This was not quite a Wacky Wednesday. This was like a preview of the Wacky Wednesday tomorrow.
2: Tasty Tuesday. Uh,
1: But Oh, you know what? Don't get me started on more opportunities to talk food. That's a good name. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we'll be right back. We'll start to wrap up the show. Also, a little bit more on what's going on uh, in the world of basketball. We really never broke down the Elite Eight from this past weekend, so we'll try and have an opportunity to do that when we come back. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call.
0: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress. Not too much longer with you here on this Tuesday. Just talked a lot of ballpark food. That's never a bad thing. I'm hungry now. (laughs) Uh, Everyone in the studio hungry. And if you missed any of that, you can check it out in the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. And join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola Taste the Feeling, of course you can find our podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. Last segment before we um, got to uh, start to wrap it up with the nightly TV guide. So let's talk a little bit about what happened this past weekend. As, uh, I heard some phone calls mention it yesterday, but uh, not uh, too much time spent in it. We saw the results of the Elite Eight. Uh, First off, I know some Sweet 16 results were shocking. The Alabama-San Diego State game certainly is up there. Uh, Even the other one seed losing, Houston to Miami, no one seeds made the Elite Eight this year. Very incredible. But so we have a final four of Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State. And then we have a other national semifinal game of Miami versus UConn. Some of the special games uh, that took place this past weekend, Uh, you had a somewhat controversial ending to San Diego State and Creighton, and a close one. You had Miami and Texas in a, a big comeback for the Hurricanes after they were down double digits midway through the half. FAU and Kansas State, Marquise Noel tried all he could, but Ford Atlantic resilient. They were able to outscore Kansas State. And then UConn, with a bludgeoning of Gonzaga, one eighty-two to fifty-four. Of those four games, guys, what uh, what were you most surprised about? What were you most interested by? Uh,
3: so I, I'll tell you that my biggest takeaway from those is with what UConn did to Gonzaga that makes them the perennial favorite right now out of the out of these last four i i and that's who i'm picking to win this i think they're just playing such a dominant brand of basketball right now so many of these other games have just been nip and tuck nip and tuck all the way down right to the end which is made for some great basketball viewing but to have a team dominate somebody like that 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 makes me think that they're probably head and shoulders better than who else is in there um the other thing, I mean, the other takeaway is just the uh, the surprise of the teams that are in there right now. Um, this, it, it will be interesting because it is a very unfamiliar Final Four, but uh, I think for a lot of TV folks, I think they're kind of worried that that it may be a lesser viewed Final Four just because of the teams that are in there are not your Blue Bloods. They are not your well-known teams. I mean, it and it's teams with small fan bases, so... You know, I, that's going to be interesting to see how that works. I, I'm still intrigued by it because, you know, anytime you have a sport that FAU can be playing for a potential national championship, I mean, that's kind of neat. You don't, you don't see that anywhere else except maybe baseball. But uh, it, it's interesting to see what happens. But, uh, yeah, um, I, the thing I, I still laugh about, though, is my my original bracket uh, that I filled out for sports call, uh, filled it out, and then the way I kind of fill my bracket out is I just go gut feeling i just i don't think too much about it. I put my bracket together and then I'll go back and kind of adjust things. My bracket had Miami in the final four my original, and I was like, How in the world did I end up with Miami in the final four that's not gonna happen. It was like, let me go up back and figure this out and see what what in the world did I do that ended up with Miami in the final four and I went and changed it <laughs> and lo and behold here we are uh so just kind of the way my bracket went
2: yeah my i'm of the opinion that the only people that should care about the tv ratings for a, a sporting event should be the tv executives sure. i i don't you know i i could care less if it's duke versus you know kentucky or if it's florida atlantic versus san diego state i think that's awesome Well especially you know for you get we've got a potential you're not the potential that is going to happen one of these two, Florida Atlantic or San Diego State, is going to be playing for a national title on Monday night. And that's awesome. They get, you know, they, they, you get the chance. It's like a couple of years ago in the, in the College World Series when you had Coastal Carolina playing for a national title in, in baseball. That's awesome you know i know it's you know they don't have the biggest fan bases Uh, you know obviously the biggest fan base in this group is probably uh yukon basketball if i had to you know take a guess miami overall probably has a bigger fan base than yukon but you you know there's not as big of a a miami basketball fan base as there is yukon basketball but you know it it's that's awesome that we get to see that we get to see four programs that fought their way through the march madness one of the one of if not the greatest way to decide a national champion i don't care what anybody says this is it's a great way to decide a national champion and it's you know it's great it's it's just it's great for the sport of basketball and it's i don't know if it this it's you know this is the reason but it's kind of showing you're starting to get more guys moving around you're starting to get more talent dispersed around the different teams and it you're you're having guys step up play great basketball and now you, you get a chance, you know, four teams get a chance to play for a national title on Monday, or on, on, on Saturday and then Monday.
1: We have uh, time for one more phone call here on our Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good, and you guys? Doing well.
7: i tell you, it's something that uh, as far as ladies basketball is concerned, you've got two sophies and Conference teams that are in this uh, Final Four for the women's uh, uh, version of the uh, big dance NCAA uh, crown jewel, if you want to call it that. I mean, you got LSU, Lady Tigers, and then uh, those South Carolina Gamecocks. I I tell you, I certainly would like to see uh, both teams go ahead and advance to the uh, final game. Uh, And, you know, you're guaranteed at that point that uh, somebody from the South Conference will win it.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, LSU taking on Virginia Tech. LSU, I thought, was a little underseeded as a three. And then uh, that South Carolina-Iowa game is going to be fascinating. Obviously, the Gamecocks undefeated. They're awesome. Uh, but they'll they'll be having a tall task to stop Caitlin Clark, who's been all over the place for Iowa. So I'm look, really looking forward to that one.
7: Well, you know Caitlin Clark, I've seen her play. Uh, I mean, I've heard the uh, last couple of weeks uh, in the tournament by her name. So I, I got a chance to see for myself uh, the uh, Sunday night or Saturday night, one of those nights. And, I mean, I tell you, you know, she missed the first four or five shots, but after she got in the rhythm, went ahead and knocked down about 40 points and, and grabbed a, a slew of rebounds and, and blocked a shot or two, and, and just was all over the place. But I'm going to tell you something, she can't play by herself. So it's a team thing. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, with those game Gamecocks being undefeated, with them being a defending national uh, champion, I think, two, is it two years in a row? Uh,
1: I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I think they're two-time national champions. I don't think it's in a row.
7: But it did win last year, right? Yes. Well I I got put my money, I put everything I got the D's to to my home and uh uh title to the car, washing machine and everything. I, I had to put it on South Carolina since they are the uh defending champion. They are undefeated. Uh, I've seen uh I've been watching them the last three or four years and, and I've seen what they able to do in the tournament and, and they on the uh, Space Mountain as Wick Flags to call it or uh, whatnot. <laughs> you know, uh they are the team, the ladies uh, uh, uh the darlings of that uh Division right now, so they got you know, Iowa got to take it from them. You know, Iowa got to be able to walk that aisle like Rick Flair used to do, style and profile, you know, uh, they got to walk that aisle and see can they stand up and take it away. And until they do that, then uh, South Carolina is it, and I'm going with South Carolina. I, I think uh, I watch them play. They physical, you know, they big, and uh, but the only thing that three point shooting that uh, Iowa does, they do it very well. So if, 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 if uh, they can slow them down there. I think uh, South Carolina
1: pulled pull that thing out. Yeah, no, I still absolutely I agree that South Carolina is the favorite. I'm just saying that you have a special player like that, and I'm very interested to see what South Carolina comes up uh, with to with try and stop her. And then, of course, what Kim Mulkey's done on the other side of the bracket there with, with LSU in such a short period of time. We knew she'd get LSU in a good spot, but she's certainly done it very quickly. And, and yeah, the SEC as it is in just about every single sport uh, it is very, very good.
7: And let's not forget South Carolina got a special player. I can't think of her name right now, but
1: Aaliyah Boston.
7: Up. Yeah, yeah, she's up for one of that uh, with Nate Smith or some kind of award. Uh, she's one of the candidates for it, uh, as well as the girl from Iowa and a couple other girls. Uh, you know, she's been fabulous all year. So hey, I was going to have to contend and stop her as well. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you got LSU playing whoever they play. I mean, you got that Angel Reese man. I tell you. <laughs> come out there put that crown on and was a barbie by you, barbie or whatnot is uh she got trademark rights to it my understanding and she's been having a good season came from maryland that just goes and show you what the transfer portal can do you need one more piece of the puzzle you really can't go get a, you might not be able to get a high school player that might be ready to step in but with that transfer portal you can get all american coming out of the school, a school or situation like she did at maryland stick them right in your program and keep on kicking and, and getting in a position where you can get that championship goal. You know, I hope, uh, you know, a lot of people keep hollering on rules and restrictions, on, but nobody needs no restrictions on anything. If a kid uh, is in a place where they feel like it's no longer a good environment for them for whatever reason, uh, if they're not getting the playing time they ought to be getting or not being used the way they should be used, or there's some kind of conflict or misunderstanding with a coach and a relationship that's sour, then let a kid transfer as long as they, hey, they grades in order. Being good standing and, uh, I mean, you know, ain't in jail or nothing and being arrested every other week. Then let a kid transfer and do what they need to do. Coaches go all the time and get that million-dollar payday from here and there trying to build a career, and they ain't studying them kids at that point when uh, when that financial reward starts calling them. So uh, let everybody transfer as they see fit. And uh, like I said, NIL money, continue to pay people. Because we talked on this show before, when we talked about the profit sharing being about, was it $70 million for each Conference School this past year, gentlemen?
1: Uh, I, I'd have to reaffirm. The, in that. Neighborhood. Yeah, re, yeah, it's it's a lot.
7: So you think about it, you got fourteen teams times seventy million dollars. My math ain't good because I didn't finish school. But wouldn't that take you? What would that take you? if Fourteen teams got seventy million dollars every year for property sharing. We're just gonna use that just to illustrate my point. What, what did that add up to, gentlemen? In uh, one year time for all fourteen schools combined, they got seventy million.
1: Around a billion dollars. I mean, if you had ten, okay. yeah, if you had ten times seventy million, that's seven hundred million. So another three hundred and so another two hundred and eighty million of that, so yeah, but just short of a billion,
7: okay, so you look at it like that if that's what the school's getting and the sharing off the t v revenue that ain't counting the ticket sales and and donations from donors that they might be getting and all this other stuff, and then you of course you know with sports apparel, that ain't counted that in there either, so if you think about it all across the country, with your major big time universities getting that kind of cash, then you got you got to look at what other the t v networks are getting if they if they can come off that kind of cash for all these schools that they are showing on TV, then you got to look at what in the world are they getting if they can give the South conference uh, just about a billion dollars every year and it don't get better as Oklahoma and Texas come in. So you got to figure uh, there's plenty of pie out there for everybody, apple pie, whatever kind of pie you like or want to call it. It's plenty for everybody. So everybody will let everybody enjoy and share in and get something out of it instead of just a select group of people or, or people want to corner the market, market if you will, Uh, you know, and just get theirs all they can get for themselves and leave everybody else out in the cold. So, uh, hey, it's enough for everybody. I think everybody with a reasonable mind or or, or viewpoint would agree to that.
1: I I certainly agree there's a whole lot of pie out there, and uh, players are entitled to it too.
7: And let them get it, because if you don't have the players, you can't get the pie no way. Not like that. This ain't the time – when I was a kid uh, watching football in the in, uh, 70s when you only had one game on TV or, or one basketball game, all the NCAA would allow at those years for a team uh, over a season or whatnot, maybe two. So uh, this is a whole new landscape and a whole new time. So let everybody enjoy. i tell you everybody, and I know you got other calls and whatnot. This is the greatest time for any athlete to be at a university or any non-athlete to be because of, uh, you know, the way things are set up, athletes can make money. You got living The way to live uh, uh, situations are set up now on campus with all the nice new dorms and apartments and all the entertainment and amenities that people can enjoy now. This is the greatest time for anybody to be a college student, athlete, anywhere in America. Y'all have a good one, and thank you.
1: Absolutely, Anthony. Appreciate your phone call. That is Anthony calling from Auburn there on the Auburn Bank. Phone line. Uh, what kind of pie you like, Brooks? you like apple? <laughs> I'm cherry, a key lime guy. Tom? I, either give me either apple or cherry. I like chocolate pie, apple oh, obviously. Chocolate pie.
2: Peanut but, yeah. butter
1: pie. Peanut butter pie is good. Oh, yeah. Cherry pie? Eh, I love one. cherry pie. I don't know if I've really had it very often. Jeez.
2: I just I wanted to bring up, we, <laughs> Anthony brought up about uh, South Carolina. South Carolina does have two national titles under Don Staley. Right. It was 2017 and 2022, Right. so it was so a couple year, years yeah. in between. The last team, and South Carolina is attempting to do it this year, but the last team to win back-to-back titles. I'm going to
1: guess is Connecticut.
2: It was the University of Connecticut, but they won four in a row from 2013 to 2016 under Gino Auriemma.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, Women's Final Four coming up uh, this weekend, too. Uh, We're about out of time for the show today. Time for Nightly TV Guide.
0: Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide.
1: Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw, Hard Seltzer, Brooks, in about 60 seconds. So what
2: do we got? Two movies for you tonight, 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon, Despicable Me 2, starring Steve Carell. Then at 6.30 on FX, it's Iron Man 2, a couple of uh, sequels. Tonight for you, starring Robert Downey Jr. in that one. Sports on for you tonight some college basketball action. The NIT basketball tournament semifinals get started at six o'clock from Las Vegas. Wisconsin takes on North Texas. Then at eight thirty tonight, Utah Valley takes on UAB. How about that? UAB. Go Blazers. Chance to punch their ticket to the NIT championship game tonight. NBA action for you tonight, six thirty on TNT. The Miami Heat visit the Toronto Raptors. Then late night, the late night show is the New Orleans Pelicans visiting the Golden State Warriors on TNT. That's at nine o'clock. Uh, high school basketball McDonald's All Star game. The men's or the girls are playing right now. The boys is at eight o'clock tonight on ESPN. Two And, of course, college baseball action tonight. Your Auburn Tigers back in action at some Park, 6 o'clock in the SEC Network Plus, taking on the North Alabama Lions. Second time these two teams have met this year. First time was back up in Huntsville. Auburn won 13-1. And that is a look at your night. The TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank
1: you very much for that, Brooks Childress. Yep. And uh, thank you for being here on the show today. We look forward to seeing you. Uh, tomorrow for yeah. Wacky Wednesday. Yes, sir. And then Tom Peavy, uh, I hate that you will miss Wacky Wednesday, but please enjoy your day off, and uh, yeah. thank you for being here today. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Yeah, heading,
3: heading to go see the parents in Columbus, Georgia tomorrow, so uh, we'll be away from the show, and I will miss you guys. Enjoy your Wacky Wednesday without me.
1: Uh, we, I'll be ready for the next we, one. We then. will certainly try, and uh, we'll make sure that we're uh, we're good to go on the next one with you. Uh, but uh, thanks for all those who tuned in and called in today, as always, and thank you to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us on the show today as well. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan Boy. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Blazers, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.